Since 2002, People's State Bank has supported Lawrence County and served their financial needs in four different locations, Bridgeport, Sumner, St. Francisville, and Lawrenceville. Stacy Moore, our fellow Saluki and his staff are so happy to help you. And, and just like they help youth sports and 4-H events, they've sponsored Pack the Place. And well, now they're helping out with this podcast and we truly appreciate their sponsorship. All kind of financial needs, whatever you need, just go see the folks at People State Bank. Again, it's in Bridgeport, Sumner, St. Francisville, and Lawrenceville. For all your financial needs, go see People State Bank. Looking for insurance, we hope that you would call the Andrews Insurance Agency at 542 Main Street in Bridgeport. Terry Andrews and Justin Shear are your independent agents and they're your professionals for all of your farm, commercial, and personal insurance needs. And they've been strong supporters of Red Hill Athletics for decades. So if you're brought down by a pack of dogs, get off your seats and on your feet and see T-Bone or Juice and give them a call at 618-945-2881 at the Andrews Insurance Agency. Well, we know we can go home. Now we're hoping that our equipment works because we're having all kinds of Zoom problems. And I'm about to throw everything through the window. But here we are on the old school Red Hill podcast. Very special episode. Let's start with David King. Do we have a crop report, Dave? Uh, we finished our replant today. So, fingers crossed. For me. Okay, well, good luck on that. <laughs> now, what was the reason for the replant again? Uh, flood water flood. last week. Was it flood uh, or okay. drought? Uh, flood. <laughs> <laughs> so had to wait till things dried up, and uh, we were able to get in today and finish it up. So we're good. Great. Glad to have you, Dave, and hopefully you can still hear me. Um, next up, um, all the way from the Bloomington, Illinois area, Mr. Chip Jamerson, my man. How are you, brother? Doing great. Good to see you all. I, you said you took the words right out of my mouth. A very special episode tonight. This is like one of those episodes of Different Strokes or something like that, where it's a very special episode. Very, oh, wow. a very <laughs> special episode. Dang. And you know, tonight of obviously is brought to you by People State Bank, Gray's Restaurant in Bridgeport, Tyler Griffin's Pizza House, and of course Andrews Insurance Agency. We appreciate their sponsorship. And the man of the hour on this episode, meet the host. He was born May 16th, 1975 to Jan and Marvin Emmons. And there was a little kindergartner, a cute little chubby kindergartner waiting on him. And that is Mr. Gary Emmons. Hello guys. How are we doing this evening? Great. The spotlight's on me, I guess, huh? Oh, yeah. yeah. Thanks for joining us. Your, your oh, turn yeah. in the spotlight. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. Well, we're happy to have you, and um, we're we're off to a rocky start, as you heard at the beginning. But let's hopefully everything goes smoothly from here, because this is going to be a fun episode. So, let's do this first, though. As we know, we had a winner. Heather Cooper won the Mystery Voice last time. She guessed the incredible Tana Holtz was her guess, and she was correct. So let's start it off. We're going to go to. Back to the beginning with this mystery voice. 
and we will draw out a name once we play that that voice and that little sound clip that we've got and we'll do that for two or three four weeks and then if we don't have a winner and then we'll take first come first serve but next up is the old school red hill mystery voice chip what happens after we say the mystery voice we might be calling you that's right so let's go right to it the mystery voice for this time is this right here hello old school red hill podcast Ooh, just a small clip let's do it again hello old school red hill podcast listeners that's all you're getting that's not hmm. much that's not much that's the first time so we're gonna we're gonna go with that good luck and chip you want to go ahead and draw and we'll see who yeah. we've got. The first person that's going to be on the clock for this mystery voice. When we put it up, you've got 24 hours to respond to one of the four of us on Facebook with your guess. Okay, let me get my hat here. All right, I've got the name. It's a Red Hill grad, of course. Of Usually course. They are. <laughs> um, good. 1985 grad John Reed has been drawn out. Oh, John, John Reed. Yeah, okay. Good basketball player. Played a little baseball, I know. Played football. Multi-sport yeah, athlete. Special, special teams contributor on the football field, if I remember right. Yeah, he was a punter. Uh, yes. So. One of the all-time greats at Red Hill. When I think of Red Hill punters, he's up there for and, sure. And I'll tell you what, some of those teams, he had a lot of opportunity to punt. So, <laughs> yeah. So, John, you are on the clock. When you, Good luck, uh, John. To listen to this and see if you can guess who this week's mystery voice is. And don't forget, when you hear the mystery voice, we might be calling you. <laughs> and so let's start off. Like you said, May 16th, 1975, he was born. But Gary Emmons, where are you now? What are you doing? And uh, where do you live? And all that good stuff. Well, I moved to Evansville 15, 16 years ago. And been working for the same company for the exact same time, social work company down here that we do work for the state of Indiana Department of Child Services. So I'm a manager there and soon to be married here a week from today. We're recording on Thursday the 17th. So I get married in a week. 13-year-old son, Gavin. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 13-year-old son, Gavin, who's uh, going to be an eighth grader at North Junior High here in Evansville. Good deal. So we're headed to uh, Destin, Florida for the wedding. And uh, I guess you're, after all the trip planning, wedding, you're all ready to go. I, well, I think so. We just bought a house, and I'm selling a condo and hire all at the same time. So it's been a pretty crazy last couple of weeks. Now, I saw on Realtor.com, I saw your condo was for sale two or three days ago. How's that going? Well, we have a, we have a buyer. It's, just, it's all contingent. they got to sell their house. So we'll, uh, it was on the market for a whole 10 hours. So we'll see how all right. hopefully, hopefully it all works out. That's All good. right. Well, con congratulations on that as well. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. And you know what? There's no better place in Bridgeport, Illinois, if you want to have a post-wedding or pre-wedding drink than Gray's Restaurant in Bridgeport. Guys, how many cheeseburgers collectively have we eaten at Gray's over the years? Collectively, four of us. Uh, give, just give uh, me a conservative number. 1,000? <laughs> I mean, that's only two fifty a person. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I've eaten more than two fifty. Oh, I, I didn't I get have. I didn't get started at Gray's until later on, like in my college years. Um, 
So I might not be that high, but well, you've got time. You've got time to catch up. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and I, you know, I've I've slowed down since I don't live in the county anymore. So I don't know what my yearly. I mean, my yearly average now is maybe two burgers per two to three burgers per year for the past twenty five years. So that's only seventy five. But I mean, if that's seventy five over the last twenty five years, yeah. surely I did. You know, a hundred. <laughs> What is it, 175 in the previous, you know, 25 years of my life. So. Well, I know for one I thing, we... from a, from about 1986 to 1995, it was it was it was more than one per week during well, that amount. Well, I know every time the four of us come home for a football game, pregame, postgame, we always have a stop at Gray's Restaurant, hand cut yep. steaks, tenderloins, catfish, you name it, they've got it. Look at the Facebook page for their specials. And uh, give them a call, 618-945-9501. You can pick it up, dine in, and uh, why don't you do this? Let the Gray family cook for your family today. So, Gary, let's start at the beginning. Um, Obviously lived in Bridgeport. You were born, if I'm not, you were born in Lawrenceville, right? Awesome. And then uh, you spent your childhood. We, we lived in a few different places. Talk about some of the neighborhoods you lived in in around Bridgeport. Oh, my. I mean, it was, uh, of course, that was back in the day in Bridgeport where you pretty much were just out running all day long. So lived there on uh, Franklin Street when we created the Franklin Street All-Stars with the Ray Boys and Chip and Brino. And we had a little, I don't know who we played. I don't know if we ever played anybody. but We played it. Well, we were, we were training to play Adam Street. I don't know if the game ever took place or not. The Adam yeah. Street team would be like uh, Jackie and Angie Cooper, uh, Donnie Bledsoe, Doug Bledsoe, and um, that's about it. I liked our chances. How, how, Chip, how did you end up on the Franklin Street All-Stars then? Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's people there wondering. Like Now, especially, yeah, we know Heather Cooper's listening. She's like, now, it? He's on Adam Street. He's right down the street. We've started us. a controversy here. I did live on Adams Street with the Coopers and the Bledsoes right down the street from me in the next block. And you might also be thinking, well, I thought the Emmonses lived on Adams Street, but this is, they did live on Franklin Street before. Um, in what was soon to be teacher Martha Casper's house. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, the, and Andy Preston and Stevie Ash and a lot of big names uh, yeah. lived there. Um, so the side of my house actually faced Adams Street. I lived on the corner of Adams and Franklin. So I felt like I was eligible. My baseball field was actually right there along Franklin Street. So um, I had eligibility that way uh, that I, I gave myself. And the Rays and the Emmons has agreed with that. And honestly, I was um, – now, Heather, you were too young to remember this, but I was honestly scared of Donnie Bledsoe, Angie Cooper, and Jackie Cooper. So <laughs> All right, well. uh, that was um, not a team I was wanting to join. You know, I, I – I just always accepted you on the Franklin Street All Stars. I never. I don't know that. I'm sure it probably came up, but I don't remember the, this controversy. But there dang well should have been a controversy about this. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yes. Pete Gubelacker could not have been happy about this. No. And yeah, I mean, we had practices. We had T-shirts. I mean, I know this yeah. is Gary's interview, but we could all be real part of that. So, um, we yeah, sure. We had yeah, jerseys and yeah, I mean, we take like a plain white T-shirt and pick a marker and write like Franklin Street All Stars on it. So we pra- we had practices over in the Rays' backyard and yeah, um, we didn't we didn't get these printed up at Hesher's. I mean, they were homemade. Yeah, no, no, they were homemade. <laughs> the Rays for you, for you new schoolers, the Rays lived where um, the Ryans live now. Um, Ashley Ryan and yes. Amy C. Ryan. Ramey, yep, I get okay. it. 
So basically that was the first organized baseball team that I don't know if we ever had a game, but we would have been a pretty good team. And, uh, you know, then we went on to T-ball. And I don't remember in Bridgeport there wasn't – I didn't play organized baseball until I was eight years old, the year before Little League. And I don't know if there wasn't T-ball. I don't remember that prior to that. But well, I, I think I, Sumner had T-ball. But, yeah, I wish Gary would have come over because we started at seven in Sumner, and we had a lot of yeah. Bridgeport kids over there. Wish you would have come over. Yeah, so, definitely. I, I you know, but yeah, T-ball playing on Paris Construction with Bill Hardacre and Mike. Uh, I think Mike Ray as coaches, so had a great start with coaching right off the bat. You know, speaking yeah. of Mike Ray, when you talk about some of those good times we had in the Rays' um, backyard, I, I still remember play. What we call that game where we'd hit Mike and I would hit fly balls. Just called I, I got, got it. it. I got it. And so basically it was all you kids, and if you dropped it, you were out or whatever, something like that. But I just remember we would call the games, and I would do my best Kent Lankford impression, and it would be Kent Lankford and Mike Ray here in the backyard. And I was actually doing it with Mike Ray, and we would announce these games as we were hitting balls to you guys. Lots of fun. So uh, minor league baseball was your first uniform that you had, and did you oh, bat boy for a little league team? Oh, you know, the moose. I was a bat boy for the moose for a few years, and I just saw a picture. I think I, I don't know if I was on the post, but I was uh, the senior bat boy, and Ryan McAdoo was the junior bat boy, so I didn't. I had a protege already when I was seven or oh, eight wow. years old. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Because so then you just went – that being that junior bat boy, you – were pretty much automatically drafted by the Moose the next year. You didn't have to go through the whole draft process. You got an automatic contract with the Moose, I, yeah, I, I believe assume. so. <laughs> that's, a, that's one of those things I'm so looking forward to, to those uh, shows, because, like, at this point, I don't have any idea how those teams, how those drafts went, and especially when the the year that the Moose was cut as a fifth team, which just has some controversy I think we've talked about. Poor David. Sorry, Dave, but can't Dave. <laughs> yeah, and, and it, and I know we'll get into that more on the Little League episode, but I actually did have that in my notes here. And so if we can, we can touch on a little bit here. So, Gary, you're part of the Moose as a nine-year-old. The Moose, a, a long-storied organization in, in uh, Little League baseball. I mean, oh, yeah. our own host, Brian Emmons, was, was a four-year Moose player. I was. Uh, under the tutelage of T.J. McClellan, I believe, all four years. And Bruce Purcell. Bruce Purcell. And Bruce Purcell. Yeah, Bruce was coaching when I came up through the he's long, long career with the Moose. Um, so, but then after your nine-year-old year, the moose is contracted. There's no longer a moose and we don't know why we're going to talk to some people about that here in the, in the coming yeah. show, why the moose went away. Um, because it wasn't for lack of players. We know that because kids were cut the next year. Lots of kids were cut. Yes. Um, so then what happens after that? You're let, you're basically in limbo now without a team. So what, so what happens? Kind of a, free, a free agent of someone, I guess you could say there were several about, well, there we would have had some twelve-year-olds, but so there were probably what eight kids that were. That so, were you, left. so that, that was, was after your nine-year-old year. Yes. So yeah, my nine-year-old year played. Yeah. So, but I still got to think, years. even though you were going to be ten, you had to be pretty sought after in that draft. Yeah, I would. I, I agree. I mean, because I think he was. That's and, a and that's not, a live arm right there. <laughs> yeah, and, and and so. And I don't, I know you and Juice, I think, went to the same team, and we'll get into that in a little bit. And I don't know if all those kids continued after the contraction. Like, 
Yeah. Justin Grismer was his career just uh, over all of a sudden because the Moose were gone. So I don't remember him. Yeah. Being, or maybe he played for Bank or something. I don't know. But I don't. I think his young. I remember his younger brother did, but I don't know that. Yeah. He, I know. I, I think yeah. he did. He was. He it was seems like I can think. But yeah, I don't know if some. So I think some into the once the Moose into they're pretty much like I'm done with this. Yeah. I, mean, I think that was the main issue with guys not you know guys like me not making it because basically all those Moose players got put on the other teams and. Like three guys yeah. made it to try it out. I mean, even before that, I wanted to say something too about the moose a little bit. I mean, I think I know we were terrible, but you know, you're it's a lot different now. You play against kids your age or right there, at least a year away. But you know, as a nine year old, I remember being on the uh, I was pitching for some reason against the union and that juggernaut of that that line with Darby Gene, Murders Danny Landship, yeah. Jay. We had, Doug, we had we had Doug Padgett that year Doug too. Doug Padgett. I mean, it was. I mean, He's one of our was, best hitters. I gave up back to back to back homers, you know, and I'm on the mound crying as a nine year old because I'm like I can't get my out. And it was so hilarious. you gave up back to back to back. That's right. Who was it? Brandon Gino. Brandon Gene, and I don't know who the four, who the third one was. I'm not sure. I don't know who it, Darby or Padgett. Maybe I don't know. Padgett hit a lot of homers. I don't really remember him going deep, but definitely um, Brandon and Gene. Yeah, for sure. No somebody was hitting around them. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, so you took took your lumps then, and I mean, you're facing Sean Potts, who threw about as hard as anybody that those those early years when he was 12 and I was nine. And Not to mention those course, those but, Doug Hardacre breaking balls he could throw at you as well. Yeah, no kidding, uh, the old uh, drop balls. So, so tell you what I liked about facing that Moose team that year. I remember going against Donnie Deckard and Billy Schick, and those guys they didn't throw hard. But they threw it right there. It was slow and right down the middle. So I, <laughs> um, great, great control guys. That's um, good. Just work on hitting their spots. But um, I was usually able to um, make contact against those two at least. Yeah, batting practice pitchers. So, thing. so Gary, you're playing <laughs> baseball, but this is about the time you get starting junior pro basketball too. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I'm just I don't have a whole lot of remembrance of like games or much of anything. But I know there's a picture I posted with. Uh, Oh, I can't think of the name. I only played with Scott Piper and Craig Piper and I think it was Craig's the dad. Hawks, wasn't it? Yeah, was it the, the Hawks. Hawks. Craig's, Craig's dad was the coach. I'm blanking on his name right now. John. John and then uh, uh, I think Bub Waldrop was a coach because his son was also on the team. So yeah, Bubba Baker. We had a Troy Moore. We had a heck yeah, of a lot of, lot of good '91 kids on that team. Heck yeah, had so a lot of good <laughs> and, and we've talked about how cool it was at that age to go down. You watch the Salukis on Friday night, and you get to go down and and, and play on Saturday morning. And and we've talked about you know our 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 heroes were guys like Chuck Rousey and Berkeley Carey, Joe Kurtz. Jeff Todd, um, Chuck Miller, Chuck Miller, who Bill Hughes. If you didn't mention him, I don't know. If Billy you... Six Gun Hughes, <laughs> Gary. Who were your heroes on the basketball court? Uh, they they were still being at that time coached by Mike Ray, and and who were the guys, if different from those that you looked up to? Guys, I I basically remember, and then I, I don't know. Being that young, I probably wasn't as into it as you guys were when I was that age and younger. I. I start remembering more of the days when you were playing, Brian, and you know, then you know, Pat Seed and the Grismer boys, of course, and yeah. you know, Height and, and uh, Bobby Bobby York, and those are the guys I tend to remember. Then following them, whether it be uh, 
baseball or, or basketball. Yeah, speaking of, we just, uh, uh, what was it, Gary? Last Saturday, we, we ran into Pat Seed playing golf over here at Country Oaks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that was, it was nice to see here. Pat. And honestly, a couple years here and there, but doesn't really look much different. He, he looked just like Pat Seed. So it was, it was good. A step on the court right now for John Brooks. And <laughs> it, it, it was good. Yeah. It was, it was good to see, good to see Pat. It was. So at that point, Gary, I got to think you hadn't really started football. That doesn't start till fifth grade. What was your favorite sport at that point? Uh, baseball or basketball? Baseball by far. It was typically always because I hadn't played football yet, but you know, baseball, because we just played so much baseball. Yeah. Yeah. No matter when, and or going to seed school and playing tennis ball against them, playing those games. And well, I was going to ask, what did you do more? Did you, did you, I, I would say we, Bobby and Bobby York, Clifford York, guys in the neighborhood that we played with terry kurtz we probably leaned more we played more tennis ball at seed school but we played a lot of baseball down at the park what what did you do more of yeah it depends upon where we lived at the time we lived in a few different places there i know we didn't get into all that but we lived in um, adam street franklin street gray street and i lived at when we moved into my grandma's house and uh there on uh church street but i think that depended on a lot where we were because yeah, because it's a lot. I mean, it seems like your side of town where you guys live, like when you lived on Gray Street, if they lived right next door to the to uh, Richard and Linda York. Am I correct? Your house That's is right. right next door. So if you're you guys are trying to figure out on Gray Street where they were at, just a block or so from the high school, um, it seemed like my the side of town I lived on that you guys would eventually live on was not a seed school oriented. So right. we were more neighborhood oriented. Yeah. No, things I agree like the Franklin Street All Stars and stuff like that. Whereas you guys down that side of town were more seed school, um, played more there. To me, it was like a special trip to go down there. For you guys, it was just like a daily yeah. occurrence. Yeah, you know, seed school, you had the square painted on the wall, and you were firing tennis balls and using real baseball bats. And that move, there was a lot of that going on. But, you know, played a heck of a lot of basketball there, uh, too. We played a lot of baseball games in the backyard, which would have been almost entirely Martha Casper's backyard. But that was a great field with the the Rays had their fence that was up their privacy. Oh yeah, it was perfect. I mean that was it was a great field. I mean yeah. I think we ran we ran the bases there. I think you know so, you know gosh there's just so many. I remember playing some sort of a baseball game in the Bobby and Clifford's garage. Yeah. Where you used a you used a little mini bat. You get like a Cardinals game and used like a Nerf basketball. I hope Clifford listens to this. Hit the wall. <laughs> and yeah, you got I mean, and they, and every at bat you got one pitch where you could throw it as hard as you could. Okay. Yo, just one. Yeah, I, I, God, I, God, yeah, I haven't I thought about had, it. There was a catcher. I mean, we had a catcher. I know Clifford cracked me in the head one time with a little mini bat. Oh, not on purpose, but I was sitting too close to him. So, I, yeah, it's just God, gosh, just God, played, what great time. So much. Yeah, we've had so much fun. We, and, and nowadays, there's so many opportunities for kids to join all ty- kinds of travel teams and things like that. Where they, I've heard Brian talk about his other podcast, a kid from Batesville that played 172 games in the summer when he was in second grade. Um, Birdie's bourbon and <laughs> basketball. Look it up wherever yes. you can. <laughs> um, so, but, and that's great that they're getting all that the exposure and whatever, and get all the all the reps and so forth. They get playing all those games, but um, I think. There's just not the, you know, the, the term sand, the sandlot games and the games like in the York's garage, like you don't see very much of that anymore. You'll see a random kid here or there doing something, but it's not like where the whole town's right. all in on it. Yeah. And for sure. I don't, I don't know that the talent's any better. Um, now, of course, equipment and everything, the times are different than they were 40 years yeah. ago, but I think the kids coming into high school to play baseball were more prepared. 
as prepared, if not more prepared than playing zero travel ball other than an all-star team when they were 11 and 12. Yeah, no. Then yeah. now, so. You know, we even organized football games. I remember playing football in Eric Holtz's side yard or, you know, down there where Brandon and Lance lived on, um, uh, what's that street? Um, Gray Street? Where Kevin, yeah, that's still Gray, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Still yeah still, great, amazing street. Yeah, yeah I mean, so, so there were Packed. ball games going <laughs> out there all the time. So sure. I mean, we played tackle football. I mean, you know, no pads or anything, of course. But, okay, I mean, uh, trivia question. What was the name of the Smith's Doberman? No, I don't know. I have no idea. Chip? I know Chip's going to know. Cindy. Cindy, correct. Cindy, really? <laughs> Is she named after anyone, do we know? Cindy. I don't know. <laughs> If Mike or Lance or Jane could get a hold of us and let us know that, that'd be great. Cindy the Doberman. Huh? Yeah, that's, that's right. So um, to talk about Little League, um, I mean, obviously you played well. You made a lot of all-star teams. Talk about that all-star baseball tournament over in Vincennes when you just went crazy with the bat. Well, I like the first one is because that was probably, when I look back on Little League baseball, that all-star team in 86 with – uh, you know, D Holloway was a heck of a baseball player. And we had Tommy and uh, Tommy Hallfacker and Eric Holtz from the Legion. And um, there's Chris some Ralston, of course, some and, real baseball talent. You know, it was a, it was a good uh, Matt McCullough, Brian Havel. I mean, it was a, it was a good baseball team. And we actually, we won the, the district tournament that year up in Robinson on a, we came back down. I found an article recently. It was in the Mount Carmel paper. And I, I think that's actually who we, who we beat in the championship game, but, so won the district, and then I got to go down to Mount Carver and play in, in the next level of the state, which we never did that again as far as, I, you know, by next year. We weren't very good the next year. But, that. So we won the district, and, uh, you know, Rodney Roderick was on that team too. I know Rodney listens. Rodney was definitely on that team. and But what a great time. I always think about, I know I typically have music and things, but Mike and the Mechanics song, uh, uh, that song, uh, All I Need is a Miracle, that song reminds me of that baseball team. And then, oh, Yeah. And then that season ended, and this is, you know, something we don't know now, but we had the coaches, that, I played for two coaches that never played before, but Doug Hardacre and Galen Holtz, because, um, you know, my 11-year-old year, the, whoever was first and second in the league, that was the coach at the coaching All-Stars. And so playing for Doug, and Doug was a different, you know, he was a different, I love Gary Wells to death, but as a coach, but Doug Hardacre, I mean, when he was throwing batting practice, he was throwing batting. He was bringing he was, it, yeah. To, when, when, it, when it became All-Star time, he he threw real batting practice. Yeah, so, I mean, those were real practice. I mean, they were awesome practices. And I know there was – I can't remember what we called the game, but there was a game we played in practice to have more of like a fun, but it was all situational. So, learned so much from both him and Galen. And But then we lost in the tournament, lost to Beardstown, I think, was the team we lost to. So, then there was another one more tournament we played over in Vincennes. And Vincennes is known for having pretty short fences at the time. And – yeah, I think it was. Uh, we played four or five games and won the whole tournament, and we had a ton of homers. I think I had four or five in in that uh, in that four or five game uh, tournament. Yeah, I mean, I just remember you just kept him. And we yeah. beating, beating a Vincent's team, which was you know back then like you didn't get to play Vincent's teams in anything, you know, really. And you know, but I think it was like it wasn't their All Star team. I think it was just one of their local league teams. But first time I ever got exposed to B.J. Thorne was in. Uh, he was about three feet yeah. taller than the rest of us, and. But I remember BJ. But yeah, well, that was a great, it was a fun tournament. We beat, you know, we beat the pants off a bunch of teams over there. Yeah, I was 13 that summer, and I would, I would go around. I would remember riding in your grandma's car, going to some of those games. I, so I remember the district game vividly. I maybe that's the only one I went to. I, but yeah. I, I vividly remember that night. It was like a Saturday night or something like that that we uh, went over there. But and, and some people might think that only us uh, or the people from Red Hill remember all these details. But I told the story to the guys a lot. I worked with a guy at Athens 
He's a varsity girls basketball coach down there. And he's from Beardstown originally. And he clearly remembers beating Bridgeport at the districts. He was the catcher on that team. So oh, wow. um, that yeah. game was important to him as well. Yes. Yeah. I think it was a low scoring. Tommy pitched. I'm sure Tommy or D did. They were the, the number one and two pitchers. Uh, back then but you know that was the when we went to that Vincent's tournament I remember it was I don't it, to us we didn't know but and we were never told why but Doug Hardacre didn't coach into that tournament so Galen Holt, Holt's coach and he brought on uh, uh John Putney yeah big John Putney because uh, little John was on the team so John Putney was the assistant coach and for that one so uh yeah so we got I think Parrots Construction sponsored the team to go over that tournament and we won the whole thing. Let's just hypothetically say a Bridgeport team were to win a district tournament nowadays, and they wanted to celebrate. And, you know, I don't know. What, Chip? What, what kind of food do you like when you're celebrating I, baseball? I think post-game, you, you always take the kids for pizza after the game. And post-game. if you're going to go get pizza, there is no better place right there across from the Dog Pound Griffin's Pizza House. David King, what are they, what are they making famous in the whole world? Bridgeport style pizza. That's right. And this month in June, you got a few more days to get it. It's backed by popular demand, the Western barbecue pizza. Now listen to this guys. They start with barbecue sauce and then they add some bacon and hamburger. Top that with mozzarella cheese and fried onion rings. And then you know what they do? They drizzle more barbecue right over the top of all of it. Dang, that sounds good. That's, that's fantastic. And these these are the days I re- really regret living three hours from Bridgeport, Illinois, when you're all, describing this pizza. All that, a 10-inch is fourteen fifty nine, and a 14-inch, it's only going to set you back sixteen seventy nine. Come on. You got the 18-inch there? Not in the barbecue style, but we will have to call. We will have to find out from from uh, Tyler on that. But yeah, give them a call. Take your team there. Two two pizzas, thirty two bucks. Yeah. All you gotta do is no call greater. up six one eight nine four five three six six three. You know they're open from Tuesday through Sunday, four to nine. Of course, every uh, every month the first Friday they're open for lunch. So, Griffin's Pizza House. So, Gary, I think you've mentioned some, but um, other than Hardacre and, and some of those guys, any coaches when you were young that, that you want to call out that were special um, in your development as a player? Well, i got to go with Gary. I mean, Gary Wells, obviously, he uh, he drafted, uh, however that went, but I was drafted to the Lions, and he was my coach for the next for the next three years, and he had Jack Anderson help him. And, you know, I always think about some of these practices because Brad Wells, of course, was a little bit older, so he wasn't playing, but – he would throw batting practice and he would bean his brother Brent nearly every <laughs> practice. And they, I can see that. They would be, uh, you know, Brad's an instigator. I think we know that from, uh, yeah, from, from the, the music episode. The yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Brad was a bit of an instigator and he would always get Brad or Brent pissed. And, but that was always fun. But, you know, for baseball, I had Gary to, you know, until it got to Babe Ruth and then, then you take over. Yeah. Um, so let's, uh, before we get to Babe Ruth baseball, let's talk about, um, junior pro football. Um, Football is something that you you were very successful in at Red Hill on on some successful teams and some not so successful teams, but you were right there at the heart of all of it. But let's start at Junior Pro. Who was your coaches and uh, talk oh, about gosh. that experience? Yeah, I got to think about that. So I was trying to think about fifth grade football, and I, I don't think that Cubby was still the coach when I played fifth grade. I was going to ask if Cubby. Was I think still he there. he moved up to seventh eighth. He was our coach at yeah. seventh eighth, I believe. So I remember year. I remember Jeff Barker was a coach. Uh, okay. He coaches and great I'm receiver. To, yeah, definitely. Baker to Barker. <laughs> yeah. 
How can you forget I, Baker DeBarker? So I, that first football year, you know, of course, you we had never put on pads before in our lives. So that was always an intimidating part. And I still remember practices somewhere that would have been out the west little corner of the fifth and sixth grade center where that little grass, I remember stretching out in that area and doing neck yeah. rolls for the first time. And I'm just like, didn't, I mean, it was like, what in the heck is going on? So I don't hardly, you know, going by, I don't remember much to any of like those very first football games we played in. I have very little, I don't yeah. remember where I played, what position I was or anything. So who and was the, what, who, uh, who was the sixth graders when you were like so, in fifth, who was the class ahead of you? So it'd have been like Joel Weimer, Rodney Roderick, Matt McCullough, Brian okay. Havel, and I don't know if any of those. I don't think those guys, all those guys. Yeah, I can't remember who all would have played football. John Putney would have. I know he always played youth football. Schrader, Putney, Matt Schrader, King, Chad, Chad Hill. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I don't. Uh, like I said I have very. I just don't. For whatever reason, that's not coming to me. And then we didn't have football my sixth grade year. There was no junior pro football. Oh, really? Year. I don't know how. I don't know why that happened. We don't know if if it was ever explained to anybody. Or anybody knows, but there was no football my sixth grade year. Um, okay. Like Gary, real quick. Yeah. Uh, here's what I remember about your fifth grade year. I because we'd be in the seventh and eighth grade games. So we just we'd be sitting there waiting for our game to start. Your games would be going on. I remember basically if you gave the ball to Bobby Stevens, say on the uh, twenty yard on his own twenty yard line, it was basically an eighty yard run up the field. It was he couldn't be stopped. I just shocking. remember what. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and I assumed it wasn't that way on every play, but I remember one game where it was a Saturday afternoon. It was a hot, sunny day and probably late August. And um, it was like Bobby was just right. We've all seen Bobby run wild at times where he just gets in a different, he's just in a different zone and he was oh, in it that gosh. day. Yeah, well, so no sixth grade football. And then, uh, then we got to play seventh grade football. And that's why I missed the whole season in seventh grade because we, Remember, we the seventh and eighth grade football teams scrimmage against the fresh soft football team. What, you look at that, it's what a dumb one team. of the all time worst ideas in the history <laughs> of Red Hill sports. So, yeah, and I, I didn't, th- I don't think I've heard of this. I don't, yeah, I'm sure I heard it at the time because I remember the day Gary got hurt, but uh, yeah, I, I had forgotten that was I, we we didn't bring that up in Coach Evans' part. Um, it was part one, it was very obvious quickly that anybody that didn't know which i'm assuming is about everybody what a difference it is between seventh and eighth and freshman sophomore that's a that's a big that's a big gap of maturity physically and it was very quickly now your injury was sort of a freak no that wasn't probably anything i know i was carrying the ball and i lowered my head you know back then we kind of were taught to lower our head when we were doing that and Jared Thacker and I make a head-to-head collision, and he had stepped on my foot, and I fell backwards, and my foot stayed in the same spot. So I broke four, four <laughs> okay. toes on my right foot, and one of them was completely, completely broken in half. So Ugh. I missed all of uh, all of football season, my seventh grade year, and part of basketball season because it started pretty early. Well, I'm glad you brought up basketball. So let's back up to that um, fifth and sixth grade basketball. Bowser was your coach. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so that was your your first real. I mean, junior pro is. It's rec, you know, it's rec basketball. But, yeah. uh, you know, you, you get your uniform and you even got a practice jersey and you get get a run out and get introduced for starting lineups. And, and you know, I think, when I think back to your sports, I remember a lot of your football, a lot of your baseball. I don't remember your your basketball much. Um, I mean, we were, I mean, we had a pretty good team. Obviously I mean, until high school. 
but we had Bobby and Dean, you know, you still, when you're young, you had Aaron Lukens played a lot in those fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth grade years. And he was, he was about a foot taller than everybody too. So yeah. Chris Roll strength. Yeah. Eric Andrews, you know, so you had a lot of guys, uh, when did the Rays move? I think Chad was still there in fifth grade. I yeah, think. yeah, sixth grade would have been Chad's last year there. Yeah, yeah. So you know we had Chad Ray too. So you know Coach Bowser, I, was, I think I lauded on him at one point too. But he was so good at teaching fundamentals, and I don't know mm -hmm. if he. Oh him, yeah. But man, wearing those goggles where you had those yeah. blinders yep. where you could look down at the ball. I remember doing that, and I remember fifth grade basketball tryouts. I was scared to death that I wasn't going to make the team because you had to do a right-handed layup. I know there was other drills, and then I, I remember I was I was the same way. Yeah. Any right-handed kid, you were scared to death of trying to do that left-handed layup, and you're going to be judged based off your ability to do it. So, <laughs> all was well made made the, made the team. You know, I think there was a lot of kids back in you know those younger years that try out for the teams. And oddly and enough, oddly enough, that was that was one move I could always do was the left-handed. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, we no, we fair. know Richard Dixon messed up with you, Dave. Yeah. So no, I think we had some, you know. Of course, fifth grade Louisville tournament and another championship there. It, it seems like that Red Hill was there. It was like a dynasty going over yes. that tournament. It seemed like so. We won that tournament a lot of years in a row. I remember Sean Barker broke the. He was a real tiny guy that didn't play much at all, but he ran out to get the trophy and broke the trophy <laughs> right when we got it. So, and uh, the last time now, obviously, I haven't been in the fifth and sixth grade center in a really, really, really long time. But I know for the longest time, that trophy still sat in that. It was still broke. Like, they didn't replace it. It was still broken. <laughs> in the he trophy case. So I definitely want to get in there some point. I want to go into that school again. Yeah, I would love to. Like, was he hot-dogging and lifting it up to celebrate and dropped it? Or how's the, how'd that break think, happen? I think it was like someone had a hold of it, and he reached. It was it was. You know, it's plastic, you know, it's not like it's a real trophy. And I think he just chipped one of the, like, the numbers off and said, look, we're 1985 or whatever it was. I think maybe the one was broken. <laughs> and Tony Gaither, if you're listening, if you could let us, the four of us in the school, just to take a tour sometime, that would be great. So yeah. I, I think I think Gator listens. So he's the principal there. So let us in. We might even record a show right from the gymnasium. Oh, wow. On, Never on thought about that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, don't forget when we do record shows, our sponsors are People State Bank, Andrews Insurance Agency, of course, Gray's Restaurant, Let the Gray Family Cook for Your Family Today, and Tyler Griffin's Pizza House. Okay, um, hey, before we move on with sports, I got to talk about something that was very, very big in our childhood, and that's professional wrestling. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So let's talk about what we used to do on Saturdays and how how much we were in love with professional wrestling. Well, I, it was always funny. We never called it by its name. It was always just Channel 7 Wrestling is yeah. what we called it. I'm, I don't know. It's had different names over the years, I know. But Lance... Uh, Memphis Lance, Wrestling is what yeah. most people talk, talk about it now. Dave Brown and Lance Russell brought you a Saturday morning and you had lunch with those two guys and watched uh, Austin Idol and Dutch Mantel and Bill Dundee and, of course, Jerry the King Lawler. And, and, and referee? Uh, Jerry young. Calhoun. Jerry Calhoun. That's Very right. young Jeff Jarrett as well. That's Very right, young. yeah. I mean, those – and you go back and you didn't realize at the time the guys like The Undertaker debuted on there and uh, Sid Vicious and a lot of these guys. Hogan. Up, you know, yeah, huge stars got their start on Channel 7 Wrestling. So, oh, gosh, I mean, that was – so we weren't getting a lot of wrestling – then so that was basically you got your fix in that little studio in memphis but yeah um yeah oh gosh i'm uh, go ahead chip and i i'm not the, the wrestling fan that you three are but i did watch channel seven wrestling from time to time not religiously but 
I mean, it was a great lineup. You you went American Bandstand. That's right. Casey Kasem's America's Top Ten, and then Channel Seven Wrestling. And for the longest time, I'm sure one of you guys felt uh, set me straight one time with it. But I just always assumed it was in Evansville. I I always uh, just I thought I was watching wrestling that was taking place in Evansville, Indiana. So I'm sure I said that one time. I, you guys, I thought that for a long time when I was a kid that. I thought it was all in Evansville, and then they had, would have the like the big weekly show in Memphis, right? Like mid, like midweek. I think maybe we even called it Evansville Wrestling once yeah. in a while. Oh yeah, their oh, yeah. little <laughs> their little circuit would go to Memphis, yeah. Evansville, Louisville. So they had a circuit that went around. So I think they were in Evansville like every Wednesday every, night. every Wednesday night. Yeah, I think they were in Louisville on Tuesdays, um, Evansville Wednesday, and then I, I think they were back at Memphis for the weekend. Um, did the big house shows, and then they and then they taped at some point. Um, this has probably been, I don't know, let's see, oh gosh, 15, 16 years ago, but I was on some business in Memphis and, and, uh, shockingly, shockingly was on a treadmill and, uh, the, <laughs> the local news was on the television on the treadmill and I look up and Dave Brown's the weather guy on that, oh, wow. on that station. Yeah. So, so that's like fun. Was the, yeah. The, Lance the Russell just. Who could perform in front of a camera, so the weather guy got the job. But then, so so obviously, like Chip said, just right after lunchtime was was quote unquote Evansville wrestling on Channel Seven, and then we we got introduced to a new wrestling um, at six oh five or five oh five East uh, Central Time um, in on on the cable channel WTBS, and then we fell in love with Georgia Championship Wrestling for two hours every Saturday evening. I mean that was. Uh... You got exposed to a whole new crop of guys at that point. So that's where we 505 to 705 on Saturday nights was. Yeah. You talk about 84, 85, 86, whole, and 87, even too. That was wow. That the was height of the four horsemen, Ric Flair. That was the Warriors. Uh, that was Tommy something. Tommy Wildfire Rich. Tommy Wildfire Rich. He he made it around everywhere. <laughs> So love and, that guy. Look at you. <laughs> yeah. oh, I used to watch it. I I was a Barb my my sister Barbie, we were both huge fans of Tommy Wildfire Rich. Okay. All right. Hey, me too. Tommy Wildfire Rich held the NWA World Heavyweight Championship one time for three days. They had to switch okay. it to somebody else. And um so then and then so when we got into later night and we got WWOR out of New York, and uh so at ten o'clock we got, which at the time it was the WWWF, and it was still just uh, back in the territory days of wrestling, yeah. and and Vince McMahon's dad was still the owner, and and so we would watch that from ten to eleven. And we, Gary, do you remember what was on right before that? No, I don't. It was harness oh. racing from oh, with the Meadowlands. Yeah, yeah, yeah Meadowlands harness racing, <laughs> and then after that. Channel 10 showed the local, and, and I don't know how often we ever stayed up for this because it wouldn't have come on until 11, 12 at night, but um, the St. Louis Territory, and that was back in, in, in Randy Savage's dad owned that territory. He was the miser, so it was yeah. Randy Savage, Leaping Lanny, Poffo, and, and, and those and guys. That's what I remember from back then. Yeah. On that one, on that rest. And, then, yeah, oh and then, of course, the next morning we would, uh, we would watch uh, the Indianapolis Territory with Dick the Bruiser that he owned. So um, professional wrestling, obviously, very big in our childhood. Yeah, Absolutely. And who did you guys, Dave, you guys went down when you were later in years, you guys went down to some shows down in Evansville. Who all did you see down there? Uh, we saw, see, the main event was, uh, the first one we went was Ultimate Warrior and Sergeant Slaughter in a steel cage. Oh, wow. Um, uh, 
Jake the Snake Roberts was there. Legion of Doom was there. Demolition. It, it's a good show. Yeah. Bushwhackers. I was at that one. The yeah, you went, show. went to that one. That was the, I think it was the Undertaker versus Ultimate Warrior was the uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. One. June of 91. In a, in, a, in a casket. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so, Gary, as we start to move fun. We start to move into your junior high and and uh, sports. Um, obviously, you had some some great basketball teams um, and your football teams were starting starting up again and being competitive. Any memories from you know junior high, whether it be sports or academics or, or the teachers that kind of helped shape you over there? Of course, we. I think we all set our love for coach Richard Dixon. And so, I mean, he was so special to everybody and he was such a great coach and a great leader and teacher and everything, you know, like the, those teams, like we, we never really did much. I mean, we were good and we always had a real good you know, winning record and, but we never did much of the tournament. I just remember playing against Lawrenceville and, you know, we didn't know those guys as well, but Chad had gone to Lawrenceville and, you know, Chad Ray. So that was kind of a rivalry. So, I remember playing Lawrenceville, and it felt like even though junior high gym in, in Sumner was such a small gym, but it was packed. I mean, it was oh, yeah. a full house, and I remember shooting free throws, and you could feel the people pounding on the floor and playing games at Parkview with another packed house over there in a bigger gym. And man, those were just those were such such fun times playing against uh, who, you know, your rival. Who would you say who was their best best athlete, um, Lawrenceville, as you went against them in sports? Probably Adam Fry. When he's one of my best buddies. For people who don't know, probably one of my best buddies now too is Adam Fry. We still he lives in Mount Vernon, Indiana. But you know, back then he was he was probably their best all around athlete, I would say, and played a lot as a underclassman on their high school teams uh, for football, especially and baseball. So yeah, I'd say probably Adam. They had Jeremy O'Dell and Lance Blocker and uh, you know, say Chad Ray. Tim Nolan was a really good basketball. Oh, Tim player. Nolan, yeah. John Williams. John, John Williams and Jonathan Green. You know, those were yeah. so they had, they had a pretty. We were always pretty. Uh, competitive with them what about um baseball chip we you were around a lot for uh for babe ruth baseball oh yeah babe we hadn't touched on babe ruth yet so yeah i um i for the first time got to be teammates with gary i don't think i'd ever been on his team in any no. sport uh so my 15 year old year um we gary was a 13 year old year so babe ruth was 13 through 15 and and jerry leg had been the head coach for several years and gave it up after my 14 year old year and Brian was promoted to the, the head coaching position. So that was, that was great. I mean, got to be with Brian and Gary, um, all three of us together. Um, I, I'll get more into that. See, I've already started preparing for the Chip Jamerson episode in my head. Like things I'll talk about, I'll get more into that season on the Chip Jamerson episode months from now. But, um, but yeah, it was, we were, um, we were not as, strong that merchants had kind of taken over Bridgeport that season. Yeah. Uh, we were good, but we weren't dominant. Like we had been, I mean, my 13 year old year, we had Lance and Stacy and Jim Worth and, yeah, and Brandon all Steve Wagner all on the same team. So, uh, definitely loaded. And, even, um, even I couldn't screw that up. <laughs> and then my, my 14 year old year, I, I can't remember how good we were that year. We had obviously, we weren't as good as the year before because we had lost, uh, Smith and Worth and um, yeah, I mean, I Moore think, and all those guys. I, mean, but, I think we had a winning record, but it was nothing, you know, nothing. But and I know that 15 year old year, we still had Brandon. I know Brandon wasn't there full time. He had like summer basketball and things like that. There were other things that were um, he, he was getting pulled in a bunch of different directions. But uh, and then I know you, you know, you went on to finish your career with the Bulldogs. And I, my when I was 16, Brian was still the head coach, and I kept the scorebook. 
um, for for that team. So I enjoyed getting to uh, continue to be a part of it that way. Yeah, but, you know what? We didn't. I think that was my 14th year. We didn't have a team again. We there was no Babe Ruth baseball. For, and I don't, again, I don't remember why or how that happened. But I'm, am I thinking of that right? I'm trying to think. Uh, so your 14 year old year would have been my 16 year old year. I was thinking it was 89 that I helped out because I, I know in that team picture, I'm wearing a Detroit Pistons world championship. Now I know they won it in 90 also, but I'm so maybe pretty it sure the, it was. Uh, so maybe it was the next, because the next your 15 year old year. Yeah. I think it was my last year. Then there was no, there was really? no okay. baseball team that summer. I was going to say, I, I had no memories of you playing baseball after that year. So I guess that and was yeah. why, because there and was not a Babe Ruth team. Is that when I would have went to the, I would have been 15. So you weren't in, I would have been 21. Yeah, you so would have been, I was 17. That was when you went to the yeah, Air Force because right. that's what we talked about in the last episode. Yeah. So that was the year, my 14-year-old year, was we would have had a really good all-star team, and there was some controversy with Mike Ray and Galen Holtz, and uh, there were some disagreements and things to where – Well, it wasn't a disagreement. It was stupid. I mean, Mike Mike didn't want Eric Holtz on the all-star team, and he was arguably the best player in the league. So. Yeah, so <laughs> we, we would have probably had a really good shot that year to, again, probably win a local tournament and move on because that team was – it was a really good baseball team, and you know, no. I think there was going to be a. And, I, and just to be clear, I'm not saying Mike Ray is stupid, but that idea of Eric not being on the All Star team was just silly. So, yeah. so Mike's Mike's worked with Eric athletically since he was five, six years old. I mean, long. I mean, he and Corey were the back one of the great duos to ever yeah. come through the young, the youth levels. So those two were like always in my eyes. Those two are like always tied together, kind of like Jordan and Pippen, like those two because this they. Or you can think of a backcourt duo. If you Rousey, one. Rousey and Carey. Yeah, like those – until, you know, Corey moved after eighth grade, but those two were just like a, the point guard and the shooting guard were always together. Why didn't Coach Ray want Eric on the – because Coach was coaching Lawrenceville. And right. They had lived in Lawrenceville at that time. Corey was out of Babe Ruth at that time, I, but Chad was playing. I mean, I, I think I think it was a Mike Galen thing. I mean yeah. – and I, I know once it all blew up and, and I was kind of as a 19 year old kid caught in the middle of it. And, and so Galen came to me and said, let's just make our own all-star team. We'll go play in some tournaments and have some fun. And, and we, we were going to have a great team. And so I said, yes. And then at that point they were, well, maybe Eric can be on the all-star team. And at that point we were just like, nah, I don't think so. So we didn't actually play the official sanctioned Babe Ruth okay. tournaments. We so just, we just traveled around. You were all around. Bridgeport kids. You didn't have the Lawrenceville kids. Right. It was all Correct. Bridgeport kids. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think it was, you know, and uh, it was just, you know, we, we, we did an episode last week on the birdies bourbon and basketball podcast about about sports parents and how things can get out of control. And I think that's what it was. I mean, Eric, Eric was, as good as any player in the league. So, anyway, so Gary, what, when did you take up tennis? You and I know you and Chris Ralston played a lot of tennis and played some tournaments. Was that was that more I this time or was that later? We started young. Yeah, I think one of the most famous trips to Lanterman Park was the time I think Chip wrecked his bike maybe five or six times on the way to Lanterman. We were going to play tennis one summer afternoon. That was, that was unbelievable. I just kept the first time I got skinned up. We were on Madison Street. I bricked. <laughs> Twice on Madison Street. I think this was right by the Curtis. Was this the water right? bottle incident? Yes, yeah, yeah. lemonade. Yeah, <laughs> it was a it was a jug of lemonade. Yeah, so I had it like on my right handlebar. So every time like my, as I'm riding my bike here, as my right like thigh and knee would come up, it would hit that lemonade jug, and I would just lose control of my bike. The first time I did like a Pete Rose dive across Madison oh, Street, and I was skinned <laughs> up right in front of right in front of uh, the Kurtz's house. 
But we kept, I mean, we had a tennis match place. We kept on going. <laughs> and I kept making the same mistake on my bike. And, like, I wrecked again, for, like, down the end of Master, where, like, like, cool little bridge is. Yeah. Like, a little bridge down there, kind of close to the door. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it. But the end of Madison Street, you're getting, like, near, like, Olive or whatever. Um, wrecked it again there. And then I, the third time I wrecked it, like, in the grass right by the tennis course. Right. Almost made it there. Trailer. Yeah, that one did that one didn't hurt much. It just rolled right, just rolled into the grass. And, I think yeah. I, I think I remember maybe finally on the way home. I'm like, let me take the water jug, and then I think I wrecked. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was, this is the water I, jug I from that, hell. I, I hope that lemonade tastes good. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it was. So yeah, that's my tennis. I I would love. I never could. I was horrible. I mean, I can't. I can't. That's a hard. That's yeah. the hardest sport I think yeah. I've ever played is tennis. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, I, I just always found. I mean, I was. It was. I felt really natural playing tennis. Not that I was great or anything, but you know, we we would go to Atlanta and play a lot of tennis, and ended up playing some tennis tournaments over in Vincennes. Uh, Doug Hardacre probably kind of got us into that too. Well, that's what I. I yeah, and that's what I was gonna say. Um, Doug got the tennis craze in Bridgeport going. I mean, we've talked yeah. about how Doug probably deserves his own episode and we'll get that someday but yeah he and greg laughlin i mean those guys were down there so i mean there was a lot of times where we i mean i took it serious enough that we had a real rack i mean like a nice racket and a nice racket case and we're playing some tournaments in vincent never got out of the first round of the tournament over there but you know it was uh but then in sixth grade uh tim miller was uh he was my sixth grade teacher for half the year with mrs brooks and he was in the afternoon and he loved tennis, so he had tennis lines painted on the gym floor in there, and I don't. Think I forgot about that. Yeah. And then, so like at lunchtime, he would let a, a few of us stay inside, and we played a lot of tennis inside that gym too. And like he would, like if we came back, I know math class was the first class after lunch in the little recess part, and you know we he would always let us come a little bit late, and we were he brought in tennis VCR tapes that we would watch at the last like little mm -hmm. study hall period at the end of the day. So tennis magazines and watching Boris Becker. I, uh, Ivan Lindell, and I mean, so we were really into tennis back then for sure. It, it kind of, think you know, obviously it kind of died out, but I still like playing tennis now. You said Tim Miller. It reminded me uh, something I had in my notes. Favorite seed school teacher? Boy, Sandy Paddock was really good. It's hard to beat Luthie, the Luthie-Jamerson combo. I mean, I, Mrs. Baker was my second grade teacher. Mrs. Pearson was third grade teacher. Now I, I didn't have a great third grade year. I had some sort of a weird thing with multiplication tables and got sick every Sunday night when we didn't want to go to school. But, but no, when you look at, gosh, I mean, those were classic hall of fame teachers. And, yeah. and, and our grandma was still, was she still teaching there when there, you were there? Yeah. yeah. I just remember could hear her screaming at kids. And <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to deal with that though. I got that at home. But. All right. Favorite fifth and sixth grade teacher. I had Mr. Lytle for fifth grade, of course, Coach Ray for PE, and then you had Miller Brooks. Oh, gosh, Mr. Lytle was fun, but, I, you know, the, the Brooks-Miller combo, that was like, that's that's who I wanted, you know, going into it before you started. So, yeah, I loved having those two for teachers. It was also nice having a breakup and you didn't have the same teacher all day, yeah. too. So, so I had Brooks full-time. I think Brian did, too. That, I, I did. Think, yep. Brian and I both had Brooks. So... When I was there, it was Staver. So Staver must have retired, and Brooks moved to the halftime spot. Then, okay. Yeah, I don't remember, yeah, I don't remember Staver. So no. Were Were you a Sumner Fall Festival King candidate? I was. Did you I win? Lost, <laughs> I lost to. Did Bobby Stevens win? Yeah, I think Bobby. I, I think. I think I could see. Posted. I think I could Bobby. see that in the Sumner Press. 
Bobby and Rachel, Rachel Childress up for that and uh, lost out, but that was always fun. You got revenge a few years later. I did, I did. All right, so now you, you know we've we've talked about your favorite teachers in the early grades. What about in the junior high? Oh, let's see. Of course, Mr. Dixon. I, that's when I really started liking like social studies and geography was his class, and you know that was uh, I loved that. Mr. C was great. Mrs. Frohawk was one of the nicest people. Yeah, loved loved uh, loved having her for for a teacher as well in seventh grade, like literature class. Um, Mr. Waite's classroom is probably my favorite classroom I've ever been in. I, that was a you hated to say it, but it was the most relaxing classroom because it was always kind of dark and you had aquariums in there. It's yeah. just so, re- and it was, of course, you know, if you guys remember, it had super tall ceilings and half the room was the lab. And I, uh, you know, he was such a nice, meek, mild, uh, cool, calm uh, guy. I always I really like Mr. Waite, too. He was the college, as I said on another episode, he, we, he was a college professor teaching seventh grade science. I mean, how lucky were we to, to benefit from that? Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. So, so he was awesome. So what a cool school. That was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, were, uh, were you nervous to go to high school? Was it, was that something that I caused you? I don't remember you? that. I don't remember like, you know, you had the jitters, like the freshmen getting picked on. And let's be honest, that senior class was, was a rough class. I mean, that was, there was some, and I think that's when there's a lot of stuff going on in Bridgeport and those kids were doing, those seniors were doing a lot of, uh, extracurricular uh, adult, adult things, uh, then too. So, but you know, I think starting off playing football and going to football practice in the summer was always a big help to the kids that did that because then you kind of got, kind of got your yeah. hazing or whatever out of the way early, and then you didn't have yeah. to worry about it. And then Sh- Shane and Shane and Jesse aren't going to let anything happen to you. No, no, they got your back. <laughs> so, nice, so, so you you start off, you go right into football, and and as that season progressed, Gary, it didn't take long. Um, what first few weeks were you? You became quarterback later in the season as a freshman, which is is rare. What were you doing up till the point you played? You you became the quarterback. Holding the clipboard. I didn't play much at all. I don't remember even playing much, uh, much special teams. I think a little bit special teams here and there. And this and is Bagby, right? This is the yeah, and this was Coach Bagby's first year. So of course, of course, coming off at that point, the greatest football season Red Hill had ever had, and you know, Coach Evans made his decision to leave and knowing that we were losing a huge nucleus of amazing athletes, again, Hall of Fame quality athletes at Red Hill, and knowing Brandon wasn't going to, Brandon Smith wasn't going to play, knowing that, you know, he would have been the best player on the team at that point, too, and he made the decision not to play, and I don't blame him for that, but, um, no, but, you know, again, that's when you got your first taste of Bob Bagby, and for for as many that hate him, I know there's a hell of a lot of, of us that thought a lot of him, too, because... Yeah. If nothing else, he motivated us to think we were going to win that first football game, and and we thought for sure there was no way we were losing that first football game and got destroyed. Well, and here's the thing: we got shut out, and then we still thought he got us thinking we were going to beat Salem the next week. I mean, right. he's a master motivator for, yeah, to lose was. thirty-nine was like lost thirty-nine to nothing to Casey or something, and then he has you thinking you're, you're going to beat Salem. You're underselling that, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and and again, we. we and okay. we've we've talked about this, and there was a big debate on the on the the uh, Facebook page. How old, Chip? How old was he? How old was Bagby at the time? 26, 26, yeah. yeah. So young, young guy, and and maybe didn't have a great run at Red Hill, but he went on to he he ended up being a very very good football coach in the state of Illinois. Well, I mean, like I wanted to say, it's like you got to have some horses to be a, a good team and you got to, you got to have talent and we didn't have a whole hell of a lot. Yeah. Of you can't so. go into the NEC with not very much, ta- you know, no. playing lo- lots of freshmen and sophomores and, um, 
expect to be successful in the NEC. Gary, talk about Gary, talk about that becoming the quarterback as a freshman when you first got. I'm sure going into that week, Bagby told you you were going to make the move. What is that no, like? Not as at a, all. That's not how. That, that's okay. Not how it was at all? Tell Chip, me. We we shared this story a little bit because oh, we that's right. The same experience yep. with this game is that that's right. I remember this. You know, I, and I would sit on the sidelines, and every time David C was the starting quarterback at that time, and you know David was just getting his brain speed out every single game, just getting destroyed, and you know every time he gets sacked, like my whole body would. Sh- I mean, like, oh God, I'm have to go. I was scared to death to go in. You know, I wasn't feeling that great about having to go in and, and be a part of what he was having to go through, but. So, you know, got a little sloppy or a mess, you know, just crap time there at the end of a lot of games. But same thing happened to Chip. We're on the way. And, of course, got some reps throughout the the practice a little bit, but didn't know until we get on the bus to head to head. To, Which is shocking. And, and, yeah, and Coach Bagley comes up and hands me. I don't think he even said anything. I think he just handed me the game ball, the football. And I'm like, oh, I love it. Oh, oh wow, this is, yeah, this is happening. So Which, again, know. I understand for a lineman. That's not a <laughs> typical move for your quarterback. <laughs> hey, no, it worked. It worked. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> the decision was to bring me in and bring another skill player. David then got to move to the backfield, and you know, Bagby probably he did know we had a chance to win that football game. He knew we had a good chance, and he felt like making that move. I, mean, I think we threw the ball maybe once or twice. The rest of it, and you know, David threw a touchdown pass on the Jesse pass right. So. You know, and we we pulled out. We went one and eight that year, so we thought we won the Super Bowl. It was awesome. Now that was, was the famous Buddy Lackey yelling um, yes. to David. Yeah, okay, yeah, punt yeah. it high and go head hunting for Smitty. Head hunting, yeah, George Smith. Yeah. Um, and, so now, as we talked on that previous episode, I sat with uh, Coach uh, Offensive Line Coach Jerry Worth on the trip up to Oblong. Did you sit with Coach Bagby, or did you just sit with, like, Juice or somebody like no, you? No, I think I think he just walked up to me and handed me the ball and then went back to his seat up at the front. Were you, okay. I think. Were I you think like? He, did you know what that he, meant? Well, I, I think <laughs> I must have. I remember knowing that, like, okay, this is happening. Like, this is going to be happening tonight. So, you know, so you got what a forty-five minute drive to. And I knew the plays. I knew what we were doing. So now Chip was put in a whole new position. <laughs> you know, he wasn't even yes, used le- to doing any of that. Left tackle. <laughs> blindside. Yeah. Gary's blindside. That's right. Gary has some great blindside protection. Oh, yeah, blindside. all those years. And so, no, we got the victory. And then you go into Lawrenceville. Lawrenceville was actually – they were okay that year. They had some good athletes. And that's probably the first time. And that's the game that uh, – Matt Foster and was it David got into it or Jesse Medoff? Somebody got kicked yeah, out of the game. For I want to think I, Jesse's what I'm thinking there. Yeah, so they, those guys got kicked out for fight, and we got destroyed that game. That's the first time I think I ever remember how, like, I'm like, probably had a concussion. That's the first time I probably never felt like that ever. How many, since how many do you think you had in four years of football at Red well, Hill? I don't know. I mean, that's the only time I really remember because I think the three of us after the game, we went to, there was a dance that night. I think we either went to Hardy's before, and I just know I wasn't feeling very good. And then we went to the dance, and it's like this pounding music. I'm like, I got to get out of here. This this is terrible. So I know mom was scared to death. I had concussion. Was trying to keep me awake. <laughs> didn't want me to go to sleep and all that stuff. Is that still a thing? Like, do they keep people I awake? Think, I don't know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I think <Yeah>. they do. <laughs> you I, you answer but, that so confidently. <laughs> <laughs> but I I think back to. Yeah, 32 years ago, and now people, you know, concussions at, at all levels of sports are, you know, there's the protocols and everything. I give your mom a lot of credit for not just putting you, to, she was actually worried about you where 
people didn't worry about concussions as much back then. So yeah, I guess you know, kudos, not. kudos. I know hey, she listens to the show and she'll be one of our first listeners. It's on this, probably so. it's probably a good time to say that. Um, our mom and dad got divorced when I was in the seventh grade. Um, we told that story on the Richard Dixon episode. Um, talk about that mom and, and everything she did for you. You oh know. gosh. I mean, you know, you know, rest in peace, Marv Emmons, but he, you know, to be honest, he wasn't around a whole lot. So I me, mean, mom was, she did it all and you did too, you know, so you were the six years older. So, you know, that was the father figure that when, when dad wasn't around. So no, gosh, I mean, you know, and you know, who could say much about uh, enough about grandma, nanny, you know, so, you know, you didn't know then what you know now, yeah. knowing that we didn't probably have a pot to piss in, but we always had good clothes and nice shoes. And, you know, and it was looking back on how hard that everyone worked to make sure that happened. It's really humbling. And you look back on how big of an asshole I was <laughs> as, a, as a kid and as a teenager to your mom. And, you know, it's like you feel so bad about it now. I mean, it's pretty normal probably for kids, but. You know, geez, Louise, it was uh, amazing what, you know, back then. And a lot of us in that grade had single parents. And, you know, those those moms were, they were there for everything for us. So, Gary, you played basketball your freshman year. Um, why not play your sophomore, junior? That's a great question. I've thought about that, especially when we had Coach Kendall in, because we were the NEC freshman champs. Uh, Coach Bob Bagby brought that title home and, <laughs> We actually uh, kid just wins. I know, <laughs> and I know. After we won, we actually uh, when we got back into town, I think we, it was a Flora. I think we went by Coach Kendall's house to show him the trophy, and pretty proud group. And but you know, I, I gosh, man, I look back on that, and I don't necessarily, I don't know why. I really don't have an answer. I hate that, but I don't know why I didn't play if I just didn't see that. Because I, I think I had fun. I don't know. I just, hmm. just I don't have a good answer. I, well, you you've mentioned before that you did. You know, we had a lot of good times going to those games. Yeah, uh, those years we did. I don't think we missed a game for those two years of your sophomore. We traveled every single home no, and away yeah. game, and I don't know. Maybe it was just knowing how much. I mean, especially your sophomore, knowing how much fun we had doing that was hard to it's hard to give that up. <laughs> I mean, we had true. a great time. I mean, that's probably some of the most fun times of my life was getting in the car and going to eat at racks or a pizza place or wherever, you know, and yeah. Listen to love songs there and back. Yeah. We had great <laughs> music to listen to and man, we went crazy at the games and uh, got under some people's skin of the away teams and yeah, you know, we had a blast. So, you know, I look back and I re regret it now, you know, cause I think I would have been a better basketball player by far my senior year had I played my sophomore and junior year and knowing what, how how we did yeah so I, I regret that i wish i would have because i know i would have been better uh, for sure so um football uh your your sophomore junior year um not going to delve into that too much because if you want to hear about that uh, listen to the david yeah. king episode in the in the archives <laughs> um i do want to touch lots of highlights from those years it was two a one in 17 run two-year run so Probably don't need to spend a whole lot of time on that. We can talk a little bit about baseball, but I did want to just real quick, um, high school jobs, summer jobs. I know you didn't work during your school year because you of sports, but what kind of jobs did you do in the summertime? Oh, God. I mean, just shit. I hated it. <laughs> I think uh, Chris Ralston got us a job with, uh, I'm not sure which Buchanan it was, but it was once just basically south of Bridgeport putting up hay. One summer, and I'm allergic. You're to allergic hay. to hay. He didn't, right? he didn't like that. That was miserable. 
hated every second of that. Um, oh, walking beans for King Farm. Yeah, I've heard about this John walking King beans. Hired yeah. me and John Putney to walk beans with the, we carried machetes and looked at, he wasn't looked too at happy Playboys. <laughs> The we best story did. probably is we that we never were, did that. We uh, <laughs> three comes, three dudes laid in a bean field looking at Playboys. <laughs> John John sees us. We're walking these bean fields, cutting down these horse weeds, and we're literally about maybe two rows apart from each other. And he's like, "You guys need to probably spread out and cover some more ground when you're doing this." Like, we didn't know, you know. But yeah, I mean, there, there were times that we would take off in the pickup truck and go somewhere out and just hide and just <laughs> lay in the back of the truck and do nothing. The worst when we got those, David had to use the restroom and uh, it wasn't just a pee on a tree cop, but he had to go to the number two. And we all get in the truck and go back to the shop. So to it took all of us. Versus, oh, yeah. versus me and John standing working while Dave went in town. So I don't think uh, his father was too happy with this one. With that we, one, so that was a job. Man, and we control so much easier now. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. So that's about you know I, I'm trying to think if I did any. It wasn't a whole lot, and then I finally got on with Unit Ten. I think after my junior year, because I remember Chip's dad came home from the board meeting, and I think either Chip called me or maybe we were hanging out that night, and he told me I got hired to work at the bus bar, and I'm like, oh god, like I don't, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the least mechanical person. In the world, and I'm gonna have to go try to work it up. So you were wanting, the, you were wanting one of the jobs like Brandon had. Like, were you wanting to be a painter? Because I know Brandon did painting in the summer. Is that the yeah. job you were hoping for? I was wanting to get on at the high school. Is where I wanted to work. I knew that was the best of the jobs. Yeah. That was the most fun, fun of the jobs. And you know, it was a seven to three day. And um, but unfortunately, I'm sure Terry Roark uh, at the bus barn got stuck with me and not knowing how to do anything. But you know, I started driving those buses around and. Basically, we cleaned them all summer. He had me trying to change oil and grease lug nuts or something. I don't know. I don't know. Was that, I, I'm going to just venture to guess that's the last time you greased a lug nut. Uh, maybe it wasn't a lug nut. It was something underneath the truck. I was underneath the truck. Doing I think I was just squirting the oil and rain the place. Uh, no, the best part was driving that big piece of crap uh, white truck that Coach Evans used to drive to like the baseball yes. field, <laughs> which all the equipment in it. Which this is the one he drove the one that was like a, a five speed or whatever it was. I drove the one that was just an automatic. But would drive to Vincent to pick up parts. And I remember one time I went and picked up Jessalyn Parrott, and she rode with me to go pick up parts one time. I think I got in trouble for that. But do they still? It's a good thing. Do they still do that? Like when you go to on a road trip for a football game, do they still have an extra vehicle with all the pads and the big bags and stuff in or do you everybody just cram coaching, it the bus yeah when i started coaching the um, coach lyles drove an equipment truck it huh. was a different truck of course but i never thought i haven't thought about that in in forever so yeah, i, would I, say I didn't work incredibly hard though in the summertime even though i had jobs but yeah you know but no that's but no i hadn't worked two years for unit 10 so that was uh that was fun freshman year baseball you played for bagby right then the, obviously the rest of the time for coach evans am i right yeah. on that yeah, bagged me, and uh, he jerked me out in mid-inning over at Lawrenceville one time. And there, that was uh, I, re I remember getting t in baseball, for people that don't know, it's not normal unless you're the pitcher to get taken out in the middle of an inning. If that happens in a Major but League Baseball game, it's national news. <laughs> really. Well, it's a double switch, of course. But, you know, yeah, so getting pulled out of a game because I may have threw, a, threw one away or something like that. But, Doesn't you know, seem it. Got to play with – there was the senior group. was not, There was no – I think it was Shane Piercy and Quentin Hall, and they didn't see the field rarely, so – you know, it was the we had the same team back to back years. Uh, of course, with Brandon and Gene and Darby, 
Wagner and Eric Holtz and Jay Wilcox and Tommy Holfacker. So we had, like I said, that sophomore, uh, the 91 baseball team was the first regional champ in school's history after Coach Evans went to a lot of regional championship yep. games and never, never. I went to three. Out. Yeah, never won one. So, and I, I played quite a bit. You know, started and got to pitch a little bit in the tournament even. And, uh, you know, we won the regional and, uh, you know, had a pretty good, went to the sectional and played a really good team. And Brandon, Brandon was hurt a lot of that year. Yes, he was having back, back issues. Yeah. He wasn't, the Brandon wasn't the Brandon, you know. I mean, he still had a great season, but. You know, he was he was hurting when he was pitching and stuff. But yeah, so but, but he rose in the case. And I had to look up the article like that sectional game that day. He pitched pretty. I think he kind of yeah. I know that kid from the other team from West Frankfurt or whatever was really good, yeah. too. He, he that guy ended up pitching at U of I. But um, yeah, it seemed like Brandon pitched really well that day in his final yeah. high school game. He rose to the occasion. and It was the Brandon that, you know, yeah, I think probably, we lost probably fighting through pain throughout the whole day. But I think we lost three or four to one, you know, just couldn't yeah. be anything going offensively. But no, I think he pitched a complete game and pitched a great game. It just we didn't have anybody to hit that kid. No one could no one was touching him that day. Hey, don't forget, if you want to uh, sponsor the podcast and, and help us or allow us to promote your business, just let us know. Contact one of the four of us through the Facebook page and we can get you information on that it's really pretty inexpensive we're not trying to get rich here just to help spread the word just like we do for andrew's insurance agency and people state bank and tyler griffin's pizza house and of course gray's restaurant in bridgeport so you had some amazing success your senior year i mean it's one of the magical years in in red hill history but do your do your sentiments lie in baseball? Was that was that your main sport, or or is it is it other sports? Football was always my favorite sport to play. Now, I was average. We were average. You know, like we never had great teams. Won four games one year. I always loved playing football. I mean, that was just even though we were getting our brains beat. I can't imagine how fun football would be if, <laughs> if you were yeah. good. Yeah, you know, but uh, you know, baseball was probably always my go-to sport that. I was the best at, you know, that's the one I was probably the, the, the three, of course. It's but. probably a good time to ask this question. Uh, baseball, you love football, obviously. You went on to coach at Red Hill. What's Bill Evans mean to Gary Emmons? Oh, gosh. I mean, he, again, when you talk about people like as a father figure, he was, you know, because then you were in the Air Force, too, there. So you were gone, and uh, Dad was in Florida for a lot of that. So, I mean, I was kind of looked up to him in, in that way, and, you know, I spent a lot of time with him, whether it was on in practices or games. He let me babysit Scott Nashley when they were younger. So I was at his house doing that some evenings. And, you know, so he means, you know, he still does mean the world to me. He was a big part of my uh, adolescence and high school years. So, no, I love him to death. We still owe the world that Bill Evans part two. And I, 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 I really, know. really want to do that live. So we're going to figure out a time to do that. Yeah, Vinny, it's coming, Vinny. I know Vinny, he's, he's, been sending me messages when's bill evans part two yeah. coming it's coming <laughs> yeah. it'll be it'll happen at some point so what we got a football season starting in two months i'm just throwing it out there you there. go yeah we're getting close already <laughs> crazy gary let's talk about away from the athletic fields in high school who's some of your favorite teachers um what was your other extracurricular activities um besides you know the the three big sports oh boy let's see Gosh, I try to think back. Mrs. Adams is always one that was a great teacher to have. Like I said, Mrs. Cork, I mentioned her. She's probably one of the most underrated teachers. I know oh, Chip yeah. thinks a lot of her too, but yes. uh, I think I made mention of this on our one of our episodes that, you know, learning how to type on a keyboard was 
it's a pretty important of your life for a lot of people in my life today. And I can't imagine not knowing how to type or how to use a mm -hmm. keyboard, but I mean, that's, you know, we learned on typewriters with her. So there's I mean, a lot of people that hunt and peck on a keyboard. Yeah. And I can't Mrs. imagine that. Mrs. McMillan. I know a lot of people didn't like her, but that advanced composition class was that that's again, another class that's helped me probably yeah. as much as anything in life, especially going through college and already knowing how to, how to write papers and teachers in college are always like impressed that, kids from Red Hill knew how to do that kind of stuff already. And I don't know if, I don't know if it was just how it was, but you know, I, that's uh, coach. And, and if you listen to our favorite teachers episode, uh, we could not think of the uh, teacher at OCC's name that was so impressed with Gary's writing. We thought of it later that night when we were done recording. It was Dr. Kenneth Pat. I don't know if he's a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> he probably is Mr. now. <laughs> Mr. Kenneth Paddock. So sorry to interrupt there, Gary. I just want yeah, to get that. Right. For people that are wa have been wondering what his name was for the past three months, that's who it was. So, yeah. so after you won Prom King, did you? is it true that you felt better than everybody else? Um course and i meant to ask you this in the prom episode do you still have that crown you i that? don't i was thinking okay. about that because i'd love to bring that out for props at some point but yes. uh, i it, have no idea where that thing is if you did have that crown how many times would you pretend you're jerry lawler while holding said crown <laughs> only if i had a single strap singlet on that's the only way i would do it but. let's talk about your senior year uh football kind of ho-hummed a, a lot of it, but you had two magical weeks there that were unlike maybe any two in Red Hill history. Yeah, I mean, you know, that was the first year we had got Casey off the schedule and got Palestine on the schedule. So, and of course, you don't know. I mean, we knew we were going to be better than the previous year because that's a lot of the same kids were playing. Um, the line pretty much had turned over at that point, but outside of that, a lot of the skill players were going to be the same. And those Travis Barker and Chancey Roderick and Shane Wilson and Kelly Tucker were all a year older and uh, Mike Huddleston, some of those guys. But, you know, we destroyed them 49 nothing, And then, you know, you got Salem and played bad and, you know, of course, lose to Salem. And then week three comes and, you know, the miracle in the snake pit, which I know I've told that story a million times, is that you're making jokes about ending up in the hospital, Brino, and, you know, you're going down there and you see – Jared Payne in the parking lot looking like a Greek god and it's like oh shit here we go you know and you just know it and you know like I said most people I think David even says you get there and you're expecting it to see 40 40 to nothing at halftime and it's only 13 to nothing and um yeah I don't know how it happened I know if you listen to John Hart talk they were missing two of their best players and but yeah Bobby Stevens's first game after he had missed the first two and <clears throat> he has the I don't know how you could have. I know Drew Moore had a lot of great games, but Bobby had the best single half of a football game. I think of it. Uh, it that was it was it was just unbelievable. I mean, it was yeah. just unbelievable. Those I three think the runs. First half, I don't know what he ran for in the first half, but it wasn't a whole lot. He, I was gonna say I wasn't. I wasn't there for the first half. I was as dominant as he was in the second half. He had to have done well in the first half, too. but Yeah, no, I mean, he had to rush, rush for 220, 240 yards, whatever it was. And yeah. you know, when you have two 70-yard runs and a 40-some-yard yeah. run, and that's, that's yeah. eating up a lot of it. Chip, so, I think right. it begs to be asked, if Dave, David King doesn't show up, do we win that game? Uh, that that's him. a good point. Cause, I mean, every time we bring this up, we do have to remember Dave yeah. was not there for the first half. 
Halftime arrival. <laughs> expecting that fifty to nothing on the scoreboard. We've talked Mercy, about we've talked about mercy rule in the second half. Yeah, yeah. we've talked about pregame. We've talked about the game at length. We we went through the overtime plays. Um, listening to Coach Evans talk about that was fantastic. Do you remember the bus ride home? Do you remember the that next morning when you go in to watch film? Were you still knowing, stunned? I know now. I can't. I, I you know. I, I would love to. Because I know that the adults and the adult coaches, I know they had a hell of a night. Yeah. I think on the ride home, I think we were greeted in Bridgeport. Uh, yeah, uh, I think you're right. Not oh, by yeah. the fire truck, I don't think, but I think there were people waiting for us. And, you know, I was, I, rest I, in was peace. I was one of them. Yeah. Rest <laughs> in peace, Joe Jones. You know, he was the famous one, you know, with his, uh, well, I can't, well, how, I know Slim came um, home. Slim, it, they have a Slim and None chance of winning. and, and Slim, Slim left town. Left town. Yeah. 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 So Joe met us back at the school and he was there and he basically, he was there to eat crow and, uh, you know, to, to take all this. I love it. And he was happy to do so. No oh, question yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. He loved it. So, yeah. So, you know, you get that and you're riding high. And of course that was the one film when you wanted to go in and watch the next morning, hell, we all wanted to go watch that one for sure. And, uh, to take all that in and, you know, the so we're feeling good and go down to Carmine and kind of pull one out of the amazing two. two I mean, again, uh, I still remember though, because I watched that highlight videotape that we put online. Like I said, I know Jerome and uh, Brandon Tully put a lot of those on there. We were the original though. We were the first one. Yeah, we had we had a full we had a full sized VCR tape camera. Like the camera actually held a full VCR tape. We had that hooked up to a, a VCR to a stereo. I don't. I still don't know how we figured out how to do that, but we did. Yeah, yeah. There was no, there was no YouTube back then. We could like <laughs> no. do the YouTube of how to set this we, up. We we went through out. and we went through game tape after game tape, and then I had recorded some with that big camera, and you literally we just went through it and we would hit record, and and it was it was quite a process. I'm still amazed that we put that we together. Did, we pretty much did it the entire Thanksgiving night. Yeah. And of course, I had my first varsity basketball. We stayed up all night working on that. So yeah, it was uh, probably wasn't smart to do that, but we go down to Carmi and uh, on a a horrible call, Coach Evans probably throws a standing <laughs> pop on third and third and five that got about a yard or two, and then then he pulls out the old forty-seven sweep pass, and Kelly Tucker hits Justin Marinholtz for I don't know a 35, 40 yard gain, and Justin fell down. He probably would have he had a touchdown, but he kind of fell down as he was catching the ball, and then almost made. Up. Almost made it better though, because I remember in that in that highlight tape, as you're you're setting them down and getting ready to make your call, you can just you could just see the crowd rising yeah, the and Carmi everybody. Crowd, yeah. yeah, the Carmine crowd was on their feet. They knew this that was the ball game and what a great finish that one. And then I was fortunate enough to carry out an option and got snuck into the end zone. And for the second week in a row, Brian Havel. Brian Havel's there to celebrate. Yeah, which yes. I always thought was funny. He was the first one there on both of those to. Uh, why was he there? Do we know? Just as a fan. Okay. Well, he was actually on the field, though. Well, he was right on next to the field. Okay. Right I pictured in my mind that he's basically, like, hugging you in the end zone. Now, he basically was in Mount Carmel. Those okay. Those guys were right yeah. by the goalposts by the time we, after the, after we scored. So, and then we had a, just a bad letdown, went to Fairfield, and they weren't very good, and Olney wasn't very good, and Albong wasn't very good, and, you know, so we're sitting at three and one. Red Hill hadn't been, you know, 88. They were, of course, uh, had a great year. But it's not very often Red Hill's three and one after the first four football games. Season didn't go. The rest of the no, season didn't live up to those two know. weeks. But two. Well, only 
only won one more only won one more game the rest of the season and yeah. beat Florida. Uh, and at that point, that's Bobby Stevens had the longest touchdown run in Red Hill, eighty some odd yards down there. But yeah, so that was disappointing. It was we won four games. We were probably still happy, but no one lost a tough one at Lawrenceville in the last game of the season, and so missed out on a winning record. But again, that was a uh, so you. No matter what, you know, beat Mount Carmel in the snake pit, and we were one one of their two losses the entire year, and it's the greatest yeah. upset in football history. And, and we talked a lot about history. your basketball season in the Coach Kendall episode, but going into that season, you had you would come back out for basketball. You told that story that you told Coach in in the regional that you're you're or was yeah the regional sectional, sectional lost, right yeah, still, yeah. I remember I can't believe I did that. It seemed like a really after he just lost that game, I go, I don't know, that's weird. I, I was, everybody was emotionally charged, I guess. But. Did did you obviously probably didn't think because it was unheard of that Red Hill goes to the super sectional? I mean, but did you know that you guys, as you're practicing preseason, getting ready for the Capital Classic, do you know you're going to be pretty good? Probably. Not. I mean, we had D. Yeah. Because Bobby wasn't even cleared yet. Right. So if you read a lot of the preseason articles that year, Bobby's not even mentioned because we thought he was ineligible until right before the Capital Classic. So like, I, I, I don't, I know we practiced with us and stuff, but I don't, but I don't know that they, it wasn't, I don't think it was a slam dunk that he was going to get a play that year. Chip, you and Dave are, are super fans of, of those years of Red Hill basketball. What did Gary bring to that team that maybe they would have missed out on? Oh, I just think a um, senior leadership. I mean, even, yeah, he hadn't played for a couple years, but uh, still, I mean, Quarterback, um, pitcher, pitcher on the baseball team. So great, great athlete, steady presence. Yeah, that's that a great way to put point, it. Yeah, point guard. Just, uh, good, good shooter. I mean, he, he hadn't yeah. lost. He um, he hadn't forgotten how to shoot from his freshman year. So uh, ball handling. If I did, if I didn't mention that. So yeah, a lot of what because they. I mean, you look at that team. There were so many seniors on that team before that had graduated in '92. So there was not a lot coming back. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't know who would have. If he doesn't come out that year, who put yeah. who, who fills that spot? Right, because there's not a lot behind. Does like, Gary? Well, you can answer that, Gary. Does Murray move more to a ball handling role, and then and then that puts um, Jason Young? Uh, I'd say no. I'd probably say uh, Bobby would have done okay, a lot. Okay, right. Justin, sure, Justin, yeah. A lot of times I would go out of the game. Justin would he would uh, Justin Shear would bring the bring the ball up the court. So it would have been those two, and then Jason Young would have started, and Kelly Tucker would have been the sixth man. So. Yeah. Um, that's how it would have gone. But like I said, there was no doubt. I mean, I, there was, but, I was but, playing, there was no way I wasn't going to, but yeah. not a lot, not a lot of depth on that team to begin with. Right. No, yeah. and that's why yeah, it would have yeah. been, been rough. Right. When there's not a lot of depth, a one yeah. person, yeah. It, it makes a huge difference depth wise. And Absolutely. cause you can go, I mean, high school, you can go with six. And as we proved it, you know, in that, those postseason games. I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, he said the regional and, and the regional and sectional championship game, we didn't. There was no substitutes the entire game. Yeah, that's so incredible. It's pretty amazing. Nobody got in foul trouble, and yeah. especially the Lawrenceville game was more of a up tempo, up and down the four seventy six to whatever the final score ended up being. You know, and to to play that whole game and with just five guys. And I mean, I hated that Jason didn't get in the game, but to me, it's also kind of cool that five guys never had a substitute the whole time. Talk so. about that group. Um, you spent a lot of of on the court and off the court sports with that group of guys, Juice and, and Jason and 
spending the night at each other's house and playing games all night. Talk about your friendships with, with those kids. Yeah. I think Justin for sure. I mean, we were, we were tight from, you know, cause we used to get his, his mom used to cut her hair. So that's how before when he was even at Washington school and we didn't know each other that well, but you know, we became real tight and real close buds. And then we would spend a lot of time at Jason's grandma's and again, Still, some of my, uh, we had great New Year's Eves doing, we would play the Miami Vice theme and do three-point shootouts, just like they did, the NBA guys did, and dunk contests on the goal they had in Herb and Joyce's garage. So, uh, we didn't hang out with, uh, like, uh, with Bobby and Dee, like, they were kind of on a different group a little bit, I didn't hang a whole lot with them, and, you know, then y'all get girlfriends in high school, then you don't hang it out as much and do that kind of stuff, but. You still talk to those guys much today? Not as much, in in fact, we the three of us, not Chip, spent some time in Lawrenceville last Saturday night, and there's a kind of a local legend in Lawrenceville, uh, Donnie Reagan, and <laughs> he came into the townhouse acting crazy. And though I texted Jason, so I, but I, you know, text Juice once in a while. You know, I hate it. I don't get up there as much, and we don't, you know, we kind of lost a little bit of connection, and I, and I hate that. But you know, still special guys for sure. And I don't see Scott a lot anymore. Scott Murray, and uh, and you know, he, we didn't hang a lot while we were in high school, but you know, it's. Those are, you know, five or six guys that really special to me because we did a lot of stuff together and had a lot of success together and um, a beloved basketball team, I think, in the in the county for sure. You've said before that when you ran out before that sectional final at home was the loudest crowd you'd, you'd ever heard. <laughs> What's that? I don't know. I was never in well, front of the I – mean, well, You seen. just – you know, of course. And I was – I wish I could remember that too, like when we knew that the sectional was at home because – even throughout the season, we started off and even had some rough patches at the end. I mean, we lost we lost eight games, you know, so it's not like we were having an amazing run and we're never really in it in the conference and, um, you know, just kind of peaked at the peaked at the right time. But, you know, that sectional at home, I mean, there's that there's that experience of playing in that gym, the historic gym, still one of the best or for my money, the best around and the support that you get from that little tiny town and. And then we know in those sectional games, people come from all over Lawrenceville and all me. And then there's always people wanting to come watch those, uh, watch those games and in, in there. So, you know, it's amazing. And uh, one of the things too, I was like in that Lawrenceville regional championship game. One of the things that I always, I still remember is like, and I always like to give a lot of credit to the cheerleaders and that group and Dixie Purcell, I think was their coach at the time. And, you know, a lot of times cheerleaders go out and they just do their standard cheer but the Red Hill Children did nothing but crowd chants. They're in the tournament for sure. And they yeah. got the crowd into it to the point yeah. that it was so loud in those gyms. And um, I used to just, that, those things give me chills when you, when you hear the crowd going crazy. But super sectional, that was the loudest I ever heard. I mean, that was the loudest because that's where they, you have your crowd on both sides. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's it's true. All, it's, you're surrounded by it. And we ran out that first time in, in, uh, in Charleston and, you know, it felt like it was like the biggest. It felt like the longest basketball floor we'd ever I'd ever been on. I mean, Red Hill's got a really short floor. Yeah, I always just think they're all standard, but they're not. I mean, Red Hill's got a short. I don't know if it's still that way now. If they when they've redone it, but you just always look at that. But if you look, go to gyms and look at the a volleyball line, the volleyball line at Red Hill is is not that deep of a three pointer as it is in other gyms. And then they, I don't know how, I, but it, Red Hill's gym is just just a little bit shorter. I, think. I don't. So, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, so that's uh, kind of a, a, a neat thing, but uh, but yeah, when you run it, when we ran out in Charleston, and you know that, you know probably 
not that Lance wasn't packed that night. I know the ends it wasn't packed, but right. I mean, my goodness. Chris, Do you remember? Did you guys? Did you go to Champagne to watch Staunton? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Okay. Were you like and, all about to puke watching them yeah, win a state title? Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know you, you and we never expected. You know you don't. You still didn't expect that was going to be the team that was going to win. Yeah. All. Right. That was a that was a pretty there was a pretty. Uh, Tyrone Nesby and his team were there and. Cairo, and I can't think who else was there that year. But uh, Hales Franciscan Hales from Franciscan. Chicago. That's who they yeah. beat in the championship game. Yeah, so, I mean, you get there, and you're like you, – like every game, you're like, well, they're not going to win this one. Right. My God, they just – you know, that Andy Kuba kid, you know, and uh, that uh, Meyer, and wow, you know, what a run that they put on, you know. And we gave them the closest game. You know, we we got beaten double overtime by a single point, and I think every one of their games was four or five, six points. Um Nobody gave him the game that we did. So, you know, it, yeah, you talk about, yeah, it's pretty, pretty sickening always thinking what could have been. Yeah. Maybe. And we struggle with free throws. If you go back and look at some, we've, we did not shoot free throws at the end of games very well. And, and a uh, few games they were, we hit some big ones, but there was a lot of times that we missed a lot coming down the stretch and it, it cost it, you know, it finally, it finally cost us myself included. I missed the last one. So yeah, that's a uh, kind of sickening when you think about it. Played at the tank farm your whole career. Yeah. I, I I love that that field. So as you as you end basketball, you go into another successful baseball season. Yeah, with you know probably out of my four years, the the worst of the four if they were to play head to head, and uh, we weren't real deep. But and I had a really bad senior year. Had a great junior year. Hit over four hundred and had a real good season. And I didn't even hit three hundred my senior year. It just didn't. I don't know why, but I just didn't hit the ball very well that year. But uh, um, so your senior season, you were the Vincent Sun Commercial. You were one of the all area pitchers, uh, two time member of the all area team. Saluki's ace once again. You went six and three with a one ninety two ERA, fourth in the area, sixty six strikeouts and sixty two innings offensively. Huh, they even call you out offensively. It was a subpar year for Emmons as he hit two ninety nine after batting four twenty six as a junior. Uh, led Red Hill with 16 runs, scored, and eight steals, and you hit two home runs. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just, yeah, not a very great year. But I think probably one of the things I was most proud of that year is it was uh, what, a six and three, and I threw nine complete games, never came out of a game. You know, wow. So oh, never, wow. Never was sub four. So I was always proud of that. But, and I even kind of continued that in Legion baseball a lot, too. I just didn't come out of a lot of games when I started pitching. We'll get to Legion because you had a special game there. But real quick. Yeah. Your that year, your best lineup, Red Hill's best lineup, was with you on the mound. Let's go around the horn here. Ralston's your catcher. Yep. D at first. Well, D ended up quitting about halfway through the year. Okay. All he, right. didn't, he didn't make it all the way at the end. So Kelly Tucker played a lot of first. Bobby Stevens, I think, would play second. Yeah, I think you. Todd, Todd Hardaker played third. Dan Sneskew played. No, Todd played short. Danny third. Dan Sneskew. The outfield, I may be a little Chancy Roderick. Bick? Bick Justin out there? Bickers, yeah, Justin Bicker started. Because Cameron Shoulders came in for, I can't remember who our other outfielder would have been. I'm blanking on this. Sorry for whoever it is. But Justin played left. Yeah, I know Jason Young didn't play. Uh, D quit throughout Juice. the year. So. Juice was Juice, in the outfield. Juice. Yeah. No, Juice played left field. Played left, right. Okay. Vickers played center, I think, and I can't think who played out in right field. It's um, um, it's failing yeah. to come to me right now. So, um, so you guys 
did you where'd you end up in the tournament that year? That was that the year you went you went to the you won the regional. Yeah, we, went, we won, yeah. won the regional right. game for the second to two out of went down to years. Wolfron. We yeah, went uh, and I always like to go back and I've I've lauded this on the Facebook page many times. But Chris Rawson had the greatest baseball game in rental history when he needed to. And that Saturday morning we played Fairfield. He hit two homers. He we were getting beat, and he hit a three run homer to put us in the lead. And I had pitched Thursday night in the first game. Then we beat uh, Flora. Chris pitches Saturday, pitches a great game and is our entire offense. And then I pitched again Monday in the championship game against North Clay. And North Clay had upset Olney and Mike Rogers, so we didn't have to play them again, thank goodness. But Listen uh, to the Jim Baker episode. Yes. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I didn't pitch very well. I gave up 11 hits. And, you know, uh, we were down four to, I'm sorry, three to one going into the, the uh, top of the seventh inning and had a miracle comeback. And Cameron Shoulders ground rule double and ends up scoring later on to yeah. put a winning run and it was came, improbable. came off and, came off the bench right pinch hitting yeah role. i mean it, amazing it, coach evans pinch hit him i think he was hitting like 110 or 86 <laughs> that year wasn't hitting the leg and he was only a sophomore you know he was young yeah. and and uh coach decided he wanted to go go with cameron and not chancy that Chancy was the other outfielder That's what that bill kid. evans bag of tricks he comes out again <laughs> but it, 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 it paid off, and, uh, you know, we were regional champs for the second time and still the only two regional championships in, in uh, Red Hill uh, baseball yeah. history. That's so I got to say, I mean, we've, we have – that was third, um, nearly 30 years, 29 years, 28 years ago, and yeah. um, last time we won a regional. We've only won two, as you said. Um, you were a starter, key player, top – senior year top player on 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 the teams um i think it might be a little bit underrated but when you're talking about all t i don't think and it's not a conversation people have who's the all-time greatest red hill baseball player it's not like football and basketball where people have those conversations but i mean gary you're right there your career i think stacks up against about anyone when you look at success because nobody else can say they want other than like you and rooster and those guys in the in your class can say they won two regional baseball titles. And then, yeah. of course, the numbers you put up on the mound and at the plate, um, you're definitely in the conversation's greatest baseball player in Red Hill history. Well, so. I, yeah, that's uh, there's there's a lot of people that are that would be – we had the most fortunate luck at times, and that's what you needed sometimes to win some some of those ball games. But uh, I just saw some yeah. Grismer hands go up in the air. They've got a question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know where I would rank myself. And the top, I know that. Hey, talk about uh, you, you played on some good American Legion teams with the Red Hill kids you discussed, and then you, in some good Lawrenceville kids, Adam, and, and some of those guys you mentioned earlier. Talk about that game that kind of drew a lot of attention and, and got a story written about you and your baseball career in the in the paper. Yeah, I think I think it was. I was it was Sullivan? Sullivan? Linton. Linton. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, was Linton. Linton. Sullivan was another game yeah. that I'll talk about, but Linton was the game where – Again, I, I, back then we didn't do a whole lot with pitch counts, and no one really talked about pitch counts or where is he at like they do now. Of course, protect, that's why my shoulder probably is in shambles now or at least uh, helps that. But, yeah, came out and was pitching just okay to the point in like the fifth inning I'd walked like four or five guys already and just didn't feel like I had it and was trying to throw a lot of off-speed and curves and nothing was working, and they wouldn't, weren't hitting fastballs, so – yeah, it somehow ended up striking out 20 kids and uh, wow. nine, inning, nine, nine inning game and uh, nine innings, okay, nine inning game and struck out 20 and yeah, that kind of caught a little bit of attention and Vincennes and that, I think his name was uh, 
Alt, I think was his last name. Uh, Bill? Right, that's the skinny, the skinny little article on the side of the Vincent Sun commercial. And I think it was one Sunday afternoon. I got a call or maybe what it was a Saturday. And I'm like, what? So I'm getting interviewed about this baseball. I never, that never happened. You know, yeah. interviewed on Waco a couple of times after we won those basketball games, which is, is strange. We've never done that before, but yeah. Yeah. So got a little press. It was yeah. kind of awkward. It was big time. Now talk about as your high school career came at Red Hill, um, what was it like to be valedictorian? Well, you know what? Uh, I didn't even get the core. <laughs> oh, shoot. I'm sorry. Yeah, so this, like my that. research must have gone awry. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, another thing you regret. It's like I wish I would have, you know, everyone says that. I wish I would have tried harder, worked harder at, at, at instead of being kind of a jerk and uh, a you- goofball. And, and I know, and I've known you your entire life, so I know you're very intelligent. And you were involved in some academic competitions. I mean, you were on Scholastic Bowl. I think you were on some of those Mr. Gifford teams. Like, oh, were you? Yeah. In, yeah. I mean, you were those 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 things we talked about with Matt Shear. You were doing that same kind of stuff in high school. We're a little different. Than <laughs> I think I joined Scholastic Bowl to hang out with uh, you guys and probably was chasing a girl if I was, <laughs> was on the team. So. So you went on to, uh, after you left Red Hill behind, you went on to uh, OCC, played baseball over there. Um, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah what is the, recruit, the recruiting? Oh, good call. About that. No, well, my, it, it was my, both my dad and my uncle had, uh, in fact, they both drove the bus for Jim, for uh, Coach Jerry Blimker over at VU. And that was originally, I, I agreed. I was going to, I signed with VU originally. And then as baseball season ended and then, you know, we were leading up to the, uh, I kind of lost contact and he quit, kind of quit reaching out to me and coach uh, Dennis Conley from Olney had made contact and he came over to watch a few, do, or a couple, I think he watched us play a Legion ball game over at Olney and then he came over to Lawrenceville and watched us play one time. And I decided, oh, cause after a blinker just kind of quit making contact. I don't know why if he thought, I don't know. It just seems strange. Two, to me, two, so. 299 average, I think is the... <laughs> Probably so. No, that was even after that. Okay. No, I, it was after the season and during Legion Ball when I first agreed. So, anyway, okay. I, just, I changed my mind and I decided to go play for Coach Conley. And, so, uh, Blimker had, had stopped talking. Do you do you tell him? Or do you... Well, I don't know. <laughs> you just but, go to all <laughs> Sure I did. But it's not like you sent emails. I, I mean, if you're going to do it, you're either writing a letter or calling. And I'm sure that there was something that I had to do. I don't remember what it was now, but uh, once I agreed to go to to Olney and play baseball over there, that's when baseball became a job. And that's uh, I and I hate to say that's kind of when I fell out of love with playing it. And he was a pretty hard nosed coach and ran our asses when we did something we shouldn't have done. You know, in terms of you know. I got to travel a lot and got to meet and play with a lot of good guys, but that's when, you know, you, you, you know, in high school, they do it a lot different now, but, you know, we only played about 20 games a season. Played at Bush Stadium? Yeah, got to do that, but, you know, you started playing 45 or 50 games in the fall and then a 75 or 80 game season in the spring and lots of practice and lots of travel. And, yeah, then we got to play at Bush Stadium, hit a ground rule double at Bush Stadium. I always remember that one. That was kind of neat. And, he had some pretty average teams. Coach Conley's had a lot of great success, and he was a really good he, He's still coach. there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just like 40, just completed his 41st season as the head wow. coach. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I knew he started when he was like, he, I think basically when he graduated college, he got the head job at Olney, and uh, he's been there ever since. So, I mean, he's a legendary coach. He's won a ton of games. He's got a, had a lot of great players come out of there that have had, that have played in the major leagues. So, did you consider uh, playing at EIU? 
I could have tried to walk on, but I knew I didn't have. You it. didn't get I any looks. No, I could have. I could, there was a Quincy College out north of St. Louis. It was in Illinois, but out there by that, they they had re, they gave me an offer to go play two more years. But I was I was kind of over baseball and was ready to move on. What did uh, what you major in at EIU, and did you play any intramural sports or anything like that? You know, I think we had a couple of like flag football teams and played some softball, but that's about all I did. And with a group of guys from Lawrence County, um, we had a couple teams that we that we played on, and ended up getting my degree in teaching, and never taught a day in my life. You know, I did a in school suspension teacher at Red Hill, and that's how I got got into coaching football with uh, Coach Evans and. Coach football there for what six seasons, and then you know got married, moved to Evansville, got married the first time, and failed at that one. So then we so moved to Evansville, and uh, yeah, the rest is history. So now it's just talking about all the old times now. So let's talk about your football coaching, and and I think we kind of covered your basketball when we we yeah. talked to Coach Wilsey, and and uh, we we kind of covered that, but. Uh, Coaching football was a major part of your life in your in your early twenties. Um, oh gosh, yeah. I mean, I still find myself now if I'm ever like doodling or whatever, I still doodle football play. Like I'm still drawing football plays. I still do it today, you know. So I always love the the X's and O's of especially the offensive side. And you know, of course, my at one point I was going to go back and I was going to be a I was going to replace Coach Evans. That's when I was younger. That's what I wanted to do and to to do that and. You know, probably one one little move, and it probably would have been that way when um, Coach Wilsey had coached a year of basketball, and uh, I that that spring before after his first year, I had substitute taught long term. Mr. Fife, the PE teacher, it was ill, so I, I think I taught the last two or three months of the school year and interviewed for the head junior high uh, PE job. And but Coach Wilsey, they they needed a they needed a, you know he was coaching basketball, but there was a a teaching job open and coach uh, Mr. Hubert said that, you know, basically he would have liked to have had me over there, but they needed, they needed someone to do both. And yeah. so I always wonder, you know, had that not been the case or something situation would have happened and you know, who knows my life would have been a lot different for sure. Cause I would probably would still be at Red Hill now. If that how, was. how far into your coaching career did you take over calling the plays for bill? Uh, let's see. So my first year was 99. So it was the 2002 playoffs, and we were, we were, we knew we were going to Tuscola. I think that Tuscola was either number one or number two in the state at that time. We we're whatever we were, five and four, six and three. So you, you have a pretty good idea knowing you're going to go up there and get hammered. And uh, we were sitting at Coach Evans's on Friday night, I think, after our game, and I think we had had a few libations and. That's when he said, like, Gary, why don't you call the plays this this weekend? Or, you know, whatever it was the next week. So that's how I took over, and that's just kind of how it then, – then it kind of it just led under the, let's see, 2003, 4, and, yeah, 5 and 6. So 6 was my last my last year. So Do you miss it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I loved – I mean, I loved hanging out and coaching with with Gaither and Evans and, and uh, Lyles. I mean – Chris Lyles, I love him to death, and I love all those guys. And Chris and I became pretty close during that time. And uh, oh, definitely, I, I I miss it for sure. And you know, I had a job at that point that led me that allowed me the time to go to football practice during the day and have a lot of freedom to do that. And uh, no, I miss it for sure. That was uh, those were some real fun times coaching football and Friday nights and making making some playoff uh, one year made a pretty good playoff run with Brady Decker and 
uh, Deb Parrott and those guys. That was the 2003 team. was a pretty good football team. So, yeah, no, it was fun. I do miss it for sure. Yeah. Um, so sports was a big part of your life, obviously, as we've discussed. What do you do now to keep that, uh, to feed that competitive fire? Oh, gosh. Beating you in golf, uh, as, as much as I possibly can. I guess that's yeah. about all, that's, that's all that's left about at this that. point. Yeah. I, so, uh, we have some competitive matches with, uh, yeah. you have rotating partners and I have the same partner, Adam, Adam Dink Fry and. But that's about that's about all I got at this point. Forty six years old now, so well, there's not a whole lot left. I got a half marathon in you next April or so. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> I hate running. Unfortunately, your win streaks are over in golf. Yeah. So if that's what's feeding you, you're in big trouble. I know. That's all I got at this point, competitively. Chip, if you had to say, I'm going to describe Gary Emmons. And this is the song that I think of, or some songs that I think of. What would you say? Gosh, and I go through different stages. We've we've gone from Gary from about you know six six or seven years old up to up to forty six in this episode. Some songs I think of, and I, and I was talking to Dave about this earlier. One those times where we were always together a lot, the three of us, uh, Dave and Gary, and uh, I mean we were always together. Uh, one is uh, "Summertime" oh, gosh, um, yes. by the uh, Fresh Prince. Fresh Prince. Uh, that's a definitely a Gary Evans song, and <laughs> I know that "Summer of '91" was when that was out. I know we would. Yeah. I think of going to a Cart- Cardinals yeah. game out in St. Louis together. I, uh, I mean, we're, Gary, we're on the I think exit. Gary off bought 64. the tape that day. <laughs> we're <laughs> off the exit, coming off 64, yeah. riding a Bush Dave, and I know we've turned the window, rolled the windows down in "Summertime" with <laughs> that Motown Philly. And uh, yes, yes, and gosh, there's so many songs. I, you want you want more, Brian? Okay. Yeah, keep it you, keep it coming. We'll okay. We'll get Gary's comments on these songs. Here's other songs I think of with Gary. Um, and maybe I'm off on these, but when I hear these two songs, I always think of you, and I might be w- way off here. I think there's a song by Cypress Hill called "Insane in the Brain." Are you a fan of that song, well, Gary? You'll see, I like to pride myself, but. I was a Cypress Hill fan before that song. Okay, that so was a song that I definitely listened to, but there's a few others that I used, really used to love. So I know like Kelly Tucker and Chancey Roderick and those guys definitely we listened to a lot of that in those, those 91, 92. Okay, so yeah, so that's so I had the Cypress Hill. Yeah. Another one I think maybe, and I I don't know if these bands I don't really I was never into these bands, although these are great songs I'm mentioning. Uh, to me, I I think these guys are similar. Maybe they're completely different, but. Um, House of Pain, Jump Around. Are you a fan of that song? I think everybody's a fan of that Well, that's a Gary Evans song to me. And that, that's also, that to me, that's Shane Wilson and Chancey Roderick and Kelly Tucker again. They must have been my rap side of things. You know? Okay, because these are songs, what I'm associating with are songs that I wasn't a big fan of, although I did like Summertime, but that, like I really associate with you. Another one that I mentioned on one of the other podcasts, is I've always liked about Gary's musical taste. Um, I was always pretty much, um, you know, top 40. And I and all of the song I mentioned went to number one in the top 40. So I guess it's not a good example. But it was a it was a very eclectic, different type of sound that I just wasn't into. I thought it was one of the I thought maybe one of the worst number one songs in music history. Uh, but Gary loved this song. 
Fat Dance by Prince. Oh, I just played it the other day. I, 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 uh, oh, I played the movie video the other night. Laura and I were sitting here, and I'm like, okay, this is a song I want to hear. It. Oh, gosh, yeah. But who? I mean, we all had Batman fever that summer. I mean, my God. Oh, yeah. You and I went and saw the movie together. I know that. I don't know if that's the same night my car just stopped running on the way back from Vincent's. It was right around that same time. Do you remember that when we were on 50 and my car just, it just stopped working? And we pulled over on the side of uh, 50 there. Like, I, I don't know if we were on, I think we had just crossed onto the Illinois side. And uh, what did we do? We, no we just let it, we just sat there for five minutes and then turned the key and Fired started it running. <laughs> Kind of like turn your computer off and on. I I think I think when you when you talk about Gary and music, some of the great oh, times yeah. you've had going to Dave. How many Debbie Dave Matthews concerts have you seen? Not enough, but it's probably I think it's thirteen or fourteen now that I've been. Wow. So yeah, that wasn't. I didn't. You know, they they kind of started getting popular in what ninety two, ninety three when. Is, but I didn't really get into them until about 99 when I went to my first concert and got to, when I was at Eastern. Of course, they were played a lot in college, but yeah, into my young adult years was when I really got into Dave Matthews and still, still love them now. I've heard you call this song as good a song as ever written. Guns and Roses, November Rain. I, I usually proclaim after I've had a few beers and we watched that, that that's the greatest rock and roll song of all time. That's, I usually proclaim that. We've watched video is fantastic. We've watched this video, um, and if you if you like live crowd reaction shots, there's nothing better than Radio Gaga by Queen. So we're really big into At Live Aid finding live music where the crowd goes bonkers, and uh, I'm always looking for that. And, you know, that one from Wembley Stadium is definitely one of the ones we find ourselves watching with the crowd just loses their minds. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Great scene in the movie, too. It is. Um, and this one, you, you absolutely love this song. And this is Aldi Super College right here. This, uh, this is EIU right here. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, when I hear this song, I think of Albany Central College and baseball and going into whatever that little rec area, area where they had the ping pong tables and stuff. That's, oh, yes, great area. Spent a, spent a lot of time. And they always had MTV on down the big screen TV. So, oh, gosh, yeah. Blind I think we've, I, I think I we've, think I'm hearing Inner Sandman down there is what I think of at that little <laughs> OCC area. I think we've discussed on the music episode ever long the Foo Fighters. Gary was on the Food Fighters early. I mean, he was on them first, their first uh, release. Yeah, that's when we were. That was a lot yeah, of Big Me was from that was like the first song that came out on the their first uh, the Food Fighters first album. So that's an EIU and Chip Jamerson. Local H, Eddie Vedder. I just found out the local H is going to be with um, Soul Asylum in Evansville in August. I'm, oh wow. Yeah. I haven't seen a, a Local H is probably the band I've seen the second most. Uh, or maybe I've seen them more than Dave Matthews' band. I love a little two-man alternative rock band still out there doing it. So I have a feeling I'll be going to that one in August here in Evansville. And then this song will be played in the next week. Yeah, this is a song that Warren and I both picked that our... Uh, we have an acoustic guitar player that's going to play a lot of the music at the wedding, and she's going to walk down the aisle of this uh, in your eyes by Peter Gabriel. 
So a little spoiler <laughs> alert there uh, for that. So yeah, that's going to be pretty cool. So and your wedding. Uh, I'm getting Everlong played as the as the guys walk down as we come down. Everlong is gonna be being played too. So. Yeah, so that's gonna be pretty so, cool. So your wedding is Thursday, June twenty fourth. One so. week from this recording day. Okay, yeah, so. all right. Marrying the former, current, but about to be former Laura Schrader from Evansville. Pride of Evansville Central. We're excited about yes. that. So, Dave Chip, sum up, Gary. Michael Emmons. Yeah, what a uh, what 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 a career, athletic wise. Uh, there's so much, and and we just touched on things. We could we could sit here and talk for hours, um, but just even outside the sports, just so many great memories with Gary. I've been friends with him since basically since he was born. Yeah. I. You know, when he was zero, I, we didn't like play together and stuff. I was two and he was zero, but we were we were around each other at the time. So, but from the time Gary was about three or four, um, he's uh, he was a good friend of mine. And as I've mentioned many times, when they moved in the neighborhood, it really just enhanced oh, our friendship. I I've probably I've spent I would get I've spent more t- other than my wife. And in my own family, I've spent more time with Gary Emmons than any other human being oh, um, wow. on earth. Uh, we were together all the time and just uh, uh, a great, great friend for the past 46 years and will continue to be for, for many years more. So yeah. um, it was exciting to do this show and, and and I'm so glad we get to do the podcast and we, we talk all the time anyway or text, but um, just getting to spend these, even though it's over Zoom, and we're, we we don't live near each other. Getting to spend this time with you is is yeah. special. I hope we can keep this podcast going. So, Gary, thank you for being such a great friend and for coming on the podcast today. No and, problem. Yeah. yeah, I I didn't get to know Gary till you know more high high school years and more through Chip. I guess is probably when we started. You know, kind kind of hanging out more. Um, I thought we were rivals there for a while. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. Kind of chasing the same chicks. Over chicks. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah. I don't know if you call underrated, but that's kind of an underrated great sports career at Red Hill. Yeah, I played, mean, played not, a lot of big games. Not a, not a lot of success in football, but, God damn it, you led us to the great, the greatest big <laughs> Greatest victory in the history of the school. I, I still, I still, I know, I know Red Hill has had some great teams since then, yeah. some great wins, but that '92 Mount Carmel game is the best, in my opinion. Yeah. The most, uh, the most unexpected and the be- and the be- and the best win in school history. Definitely. Um, yeah. Of course, the basketball and you know, then the baseball, you know, the individual success in baseball. I mean, just a fantastic career, and you know. Okay. Yeah, there's yeah, well, across the board, there's not many that can say. I mean, a super sectional, two regional baseball titles, beat Mount Carmel in football. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. that that resume is is hard point, to point go guard, against. Point guard on super sectional team. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we started 
the podcast talking about May 16th, 1975. I can still remember sitting in Mrs. Cummins' kindergarten class, and I look over at the door, and I see my dad. You know how there was, like, that little, like, diamond or square? I think it was in the shape of a diamond window. I could still see my dad, like, looking through there. So instantly I was embarrassed and couldn't believe this was happening, and, and also instantly I knew Gary Emmons had entered the world because we knew that he was going to be born that day. He's been my best friend ever since then, so... What can I say? It was, it was yeah. great to to go through the career of 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 my best friend then, my best friend now, and yeah. uh, we we still talk every day, and yeah, every day we we do just about everything together. So uh, it was fun talking about Gary Michael Emmons, and on that we'll start wrapping up this show. Chip, Dave, Gary, we talked about the Franklin Street All Stars. Oh, what a team. We talked about and we talked about Jackie Cooper on the Adams Street All-Stars. Baker to Barker makes another appearance yes. on the podcast. I love saying that over and over and over again. The contraction of the moose. Speaking of Barkers, um, Sean Barker breaks the Louisville Louisville tournament trophy. Oh, broken in the trophy. Dave Brown and Lance Russell make their first uh, podcast appearance. Uh, Rodney Roderick is part of the um, sports something. I wrote down Rodney Roderick. I know he's mentioned two or three times tonight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it was Little League. Greg yeah. Laughlin and Doug Hardacre start a tennis craze in Bridgeport. They did. The Hawks Junior Pro Basketball Team. Terry Roark running the old bus barn. Gray Street. Specifically, the York's Garage. Mrs. Cork. She's getting some love on these podcasts. Joe Jones. The football on the bus. That old white truck that carried all the football equipment to games. Aaron Lucan's Junior junior high basketball prowess Tyrone Nesby Andy Kuba the Rays abandoned Bridgeport and moved to Lawrenceville Galen and Eric Holtz the birdies bourbon and basketball podcast (laughs) (laughs) Gary Emmons versus Matt Shear in academic competitions Someone ought to put that together. Diane Shear cuts Gary's hair as a youth. Bill Evans and his bag of tricks. Oh, yes. Wild Bill. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the Old School Red Hill podcast because with Gary, Chip, Dave, we are Red Hill.